Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. With your fan headlines, this is Sean Myers. Pitt men's basketball returns to the court tonight. The Panthers, with their 6-6 six and six mark in ACC play, travel to play number 21, Virginia. The Cavaliers are 10-3 and three on the campaign. Tip-off is at 7. Our pregame starts at 6.30. You can listen to that right here on 93.7 The Fan or by utilizing the free Odyssey app. Tomorrow, the Penguins return to the ice at home as they welcome the Florida Panthers to town. 7.30 puck drop. The game will be broadcast on TNT. Penn's hoping to avoid a three-game losing streak. Fan headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more. You can check out 93.7thefan.com. It's the Trubisky train. There was no doubt about it. So it's first and 10 now for the Steelers as they go deep in Seattle territory. Trubisky again, this time more time, rolling to his left. He can do that, fires into the end zone. Touchdown. The gunner is in. Gunner Oshesky <laughs> with a touchdown. He's been impressive in camp. He continues tonight, and Mitch Trubisky takes him right down the field. <clears throat> the Steelers trying to extend their one-point lead. Trubisky for the end zone call. Touchdown, Chase Claypool. Oh, my God, is that beautiful. Trubisky to the gunner. Did that really happen with pomp on the call at KDKA? The gunner. That's probably the highlight of Trubisky Steeler's career, I would think, right? And then what was the second call? To Claypool against Tampa. <laughs> what great connections. <laughs> to Claypool. I have to hear, uh, Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. I have to hear pomp calling Trubisky to gunner one more time. I don't remember. I'm convinced this didn't actually happen, that you just made up a clip where you cut and pasted names into the audio. Yeah, This this never happened. This is like AI now. You can generate whatever. Yeah, it's AI generated. But but let's hear it just for kicks. So it's first and 10 now for the Steelers as they go deep in Seattle territory. Trubisky again, this time more time. Rolling to his left. He can do that. Fires into the end zone. Touchdown. The gunner is in. 
Gunnar Oseski with a touchdown. He's been impressive in camp. He continues tonight, and Mitch Trubisky takes him right down the field. Oh, was that beautiful. With the low key, he can do that, too. He can roll to his left and throw to his right. This is a disaster, isn't it? I'm not talking about the show, although you could argue that. It's just me and Sean. Don't call me Seth Myers to my left through the glass. We have a big show lined up here. Off the top, brought to you by J.P. Roofing and Siding. Steige's going to join us. Jay Caulfield's going to join us. I believe the Noah Constrictor, Noah Hiles, and the great Sean Gentilly. So that's a Mount Rushmore right there, especially the Noah Constrictor, I might add. But let's start with the cuts that the Steelers made, and let's start with a tribute to Mitch Trubisky. I mean, well, that was the tribute to Mitch Trubisky. And it has me thinking about a lot of things. I was once, as you heard there, the conductor of the Trubisky train. Not proud of that, I might add. Although Bob was the first person in town who had the idea that the Steelers should sign Mitch Trubisky. I was just following his lead. And and here's what I have to admit. Let's look back at Mitch Trubisky. Let's just do that for a moment. All together, okay? I thought it was a good idea that they sign him. I did. And and I still wonder, by the way, not just with Trubisky, but with a lot of athletes in pro sports and maybe particularly a lot of quarterbacks. Do coaches ruin them? Maybe Trubisky would have been ruined no matter what, but he went into a horrendous situation in Chicago. And I know Matt Nagy, now works back with the Chiefs and everything went wonderfully, right? What did he exactly do? I don't know because Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are already there. The situation in Chicago was awful. And I just wonder, I'm not saying this would have been the case. I'm not. But I wonder how many quarterbacks have been ruined by coaches not letting them play not giving them the freedom to just go out and make mistakes and play. And I wonder about Trubisky in Chicago. I at least wonder. Because there were a couple times in his Steelers career where I felt like he was unburdened and just cut it loose. I think he was damaged goods when he got here. And maybe he never would have made it. Please keep that in mind. In fact, it's it's a likelihood he never would have, that he either doesn't have the um, head to be a quarterback or the he seems to have the skills whatever it might be I go back to the Chicago days and just wonder because he's obviously talented like I remember the Cleveland game from last year Steelers lose 29-17 and Trubisky was playing you know the most careful game imaginable for a lot of it And then on the final drive or two, it was screw it time. And the guy just unleashed. You know what I mean? And there were a couple little signs of that. I didn't have a problem, honestly, in the end. First, with them bringing him in. And secondly, with them bringing him back in a backup role. I thought he was best suited for that. I thought kind of the pressure had been alleviated for him. That, all right. I'm a backup. We gave it another shot. Ain't going to work. I'm not going to be anybody's franchise quarterback, but I could be Kenny Pickett's backup. I could do that. Because honestly, 
coming off last year, his last two performances, well, the one against the Ravens, you could argue, was somewhat disastrous, three interceptions, one of which was not his fault. And even in that game, you could see raw talent. But then the Carolina game before that, he, he looked like a guy who could be your backup quarterback, right? 17-22, pretty good game against Carolina. And had other relief performances. The one against Tampa, he was great. And again, it was he didn't have to think. He just got ripped into a game because the starter got hurt. And he went 9 for 12 for 144 yards and made some unbelievable plays. If you remember that Tampa game where he's running around on third and long and makes a play. The Cleveland game, he was 20 of 32, 207 yards. New England, I'm talking last year's New England game. Didn't go particularly well, but if I told you your backup quarterback was going to go 21-33 with a touchdown, I don't know that you'd be complaining about that. The Cincinnati game that they won wasn't great, but he didn't make a mistake. Like, he was a backup quarterback. But getting back to my point here, I just wonder from the beginnings, from the very beginnings, if this guy got ruined by paranoid, overprotective, Overcoaching coaches. At least I wonder, Sean, but not just about him, about lots of guys. Cordell Stewart, maybe. Tim Couch, maybe. We have no idea what would have happened to Ben if he went to Cleveland or if Tim Couch came here with a ready-made great team. I mean, I have a feeling Ben would have been great anywhere. But I think there's a lot of guys out there who might have been really good if not for the environment that they were presented with out of the draft. Sam Darnold comes to mind for me. Yeah. And honestly, he's kind of in that same situation right now that Trubisky was in a couple years ago. Struggled with his initial team. Then he had kind of a rehab this year in San Francisco. And I'm willing to bet someone's going to look at him and say, maybe not the starter, but we can bring him in and have a a guy that – has the talent and maybe is rehabbed enough that we can expect him to compete to get some valuable snaps this season. Yeah, and then you just wonder how much damage has been done to a guy. Zach Wilson looks to be in that same boat, although he might already be irreparable at this point. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a kid who, when he was a kid, had six touchdowns and no picks in a game against Tampa in Trubisky. Back-to-back games of nine touchdowns and one pick. I thought he was worth a shot. And it didn't work, and then it devolved, and then it was a disaster this season. So in the end, I I don't really blame the Steelers and Tomlin necessarily for doubling down on Trubisky and signing him. Maybe a little hefty of a price tag. I have to admit, I thought they had a really good backup situation going into the season. I did. And then he came in and played, and it didn't go well. Everybody saw that, right? So in the end, that's it for Mitch Trubisky. But I think there's also a bigger story here, and I'd love for you to join the show at 412-928-9370. 928-9370, fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Tomlin's mistake with Trubisky was keeping him in there this year. I mean, it it, it was going to take a lot for me to call for Mason Rudolph, and I was calling for Rudolph 
probably no later than the New England disaster, and I think even before that. I think after maybe a couple games, maybe even after the Cleveland game now that I look at it, my reasoning being then that you're ruining Kenny Pickett. Speaking of ruining quarterbacks, you're ruining a guy by having him try to develop in this incompetent coordinator system. So my reasoning then was get Pickett out of there. This has hit rock bottom here and spare him from any more damage from Matt Canada. Please spare this man. He didn't deserve this. And this gets back to Mike Tomlin. I'm sorry, but it does. Most things do that have gone wrong the last couple of years and that the national media won't talk about. Mike Tomlin doubled down on Matt Canada, brought him in, promoted him, got to observe him every single day and decided, yep, that's my guy. Let's bring him back for another run and another run. Let's put our first round pick in the care of Matt Canada. That's how much I think of him. What a disaster. Just a total unmitigated disaster. So that's what I wanted was, was please remove Pickett from this mess. Send him to a boarding school. You know, the family he's growing up in is dysfunctional. Send this guy to a boarding school. Send him back to Tony Rassiopi. Is that the guy's name? Very nice man. Yes. His quarterback's coach. But but whatever you do, you know, put Trubisky back in here and then put Rudolph in or put Rudolph in and not Trubisky. You know, I think I'd already seen enough of Trubisky after the Jacksonville game. Just get somebody else in here, please. Even Mason Rudolph. And so all roads lead back to the quarterbacks, don't they? But I also think there's another story here, and I was asked today in my intergalactically red mailbag. Where does that span from? Here to Uranus. But that feels sad because, you know, Ron used to say that. And the specter of Ron still hovers over this show. It sure does. I would look across this desk and see a partially bald man with a gray beard pecking out texts with two fingers and watching soap operas. And pacing, but also a very kind man that I enjoyed spending time with at times. At times. When we weren't choking each other out, right? Uh, but yes, intergalactically red. And someone asked basically this, why doesn't ever anybody ever blame Kevin Colbert? You look at the cuts they made yesterday, well... Presley Harvin was one, and someone pointed out, listen, and Chooks was one, right? Chooks being the prominent one of the draft picks. Why doesn't anybody ever blame Kevin Colbert for what's gone on here lately? And I said, good point. I mean, Kevin Colbert is a Hall of Famer, right? We know that. And they've had some good picks, but overall, I think he would be the first to tell you that the 2018 and 19 drafts you want to talk about disasters, right? There's one guy left, one man standing, and he's running backwards. It's Deontay Johnson. One man standing, and that was a bad contract. 
and that goes back to Tomlin and Omar Khan, but you, you got to believe that Tomlin has last say. He does have last say on draft picks other than Art if Art wanted to step in on something. This is a coach-centric organization and has been since the days of Chuck Knoll. They chose the coach, gave the coach power, gave him final say on draft picks, Chuck Knoll, and I have no reason to believe that has ever changed since. Cower and Tom Donahoe got into a power struggle. Both had done good work, and Dan Rooney chose the coach. And Mike Tomlin has enormous power within this organization. You think he's been stripped of the same powers that Cower and Knoll had? No way. He's got last say on draft picks, other than the owner, if the owner wants to step in, an immense say on personnel. So when they go out and they, and they re-sign a Mitch Trubisky or bring him in in the first place or draft a Kenny Pickett, that's the coach, primarily. But Kevin Colbert obviously had a lot to do, mostly the coach, I would say, on the prominent draft picks. Then it gets to be more... Uh, system, scouting staff, GM-oriented picks from then, from there on. You know what I mean? But you look at the 19 and 18 drafts, there's one guy left. Those guys should be into what? Their, their second contracts. Terrell Edmonds is 27 years old. They should be in their primes. Listen to the picks from 18. Edmonds, James Washington, Mason Rudolph, which I never understood the order there. You had a first-round grade on Mason Rudolph, which you later admitted. And he was available to you with the 60th pick. And you took him with the 76th pick. If you think you have a first-round talent at quarterback, that you want to groom to eventually replace Ben, and he's available at 60. Why would you take the wide receiver before him? I guess you're betting he's still going to be available at 76, but that seems like a hell of a risk to take if you believe in a guy that much. You know what I mean, Sean? Why, if you have him on the board at 60, would you take his own wide receiver ahead of him? That's the one position where you can't risk waiting and missing on the guy if it's the right. quarterback you want and we see teams regularly trade up and give up a ton of draft asset to get the quarterback they want so yeah, yeah. that doesn't that i can't remember jive. i think they actually may have moved up a little to get mason i don't remember offhand that doesn't matter you're salivating at pick 60 at the end of the second round to get a first round quarterback on your board So something's very fishy about the whole first-round grade thing with Mason. But anyway, Terrell Edmonds. And this this isn't necessarily hindsight, by the way, either. Like, I know everybody wants, oh, it's easy to grade a draft. No, when they took Terrell Edmonds, it was a project pick, and it was a safety. And those two things were mentioned prominently at the time. And he became an average NFL player who is not here. James Washington became an extremely limited player, a one-trick pony, I would say. And he didn't last long. It became very clear that, you know, you want to throw a ball to James Washington down the sideline and have him go up and get it. Not a bad idea. Anything else? Probably a bad idea. It's not like he did nothing here. 
but I would say he was an average to below average player with your second pick. Mason Rudolph is going to be gone, and maybe they waited too long to find out about him. I'm not sure we actually have found out about him. If they really wanted him, they would be madly pursuing him with an offer he couldn't refuse. Instead, seems to be that the company line is, well, he's going to go out and see what's out there, and then we'll see. No longer with the team. Chooks is an indictment of Tomlin. Here's a guy <clears throat> that they signed to a $29 million contract with over $9 million guaranteed. Now, it had some outs, thankfully. But their best thinking had him moving to the premium position of left tackle a couple years ago, which they immediately abandoned because of injury, because they had drafted uh, Dan Moore, but primarily because Zach Banner got hurt. So let's let's dig into the thinking there. We have a guy that we're now projecting to play left tackle. That is a premium position. That's our off-season plan. We think enough of Chooks to move him to left tackle. And the whole plan goes awry because Zach Banner got hurt? Oh, forget it. We'll, we'll take, take Chooks away from his natural position. Won't even move him there. And in OTAs, we'll reconfigure everything. Because we couldn't possibly find someone at right tackle to replace Zach Banner. It's not Dan Moore's natural position. We want him at left tackle. Just mediocrity on top of mediocrity on top of mediocrity. And they paid Chooks and they misidentified him. And he's an average to below average player who's no longer here. Marcus Allen, <clears throat> the last notable thing he did was join the Raiders huddle. Jalen Samuels had a good game or two. Remember the New England game? And down goes Joshua Frazier. That's your 18 draft. 19, the Devin Bush disaster. All right, I'll give you the injury, but the 10th pick overall needs to be a star. And I'm not sure he was ever going to be that. Deontay, bad contract. Productive player, bad contract. Would have been better off moving on when you could. Still would be better off trading him and drafting somebody else because if we see nothing else, around the NFL is that you can find receivers, kind of like running backs. Justin Lane, disaster. Benny Snell, eh. Zach Gentry, Sutton Smith, Isaiah Bugs, Ulysses S. Grant, and Derwin Gray. That's not one that you put up on the refrigerator at home if you're Kevin Colbert or Tomlin, right? That's, no. that's not a, a draft report card that you proudly come home with and pin to the refrigerator. Two lost years. You win with stars in the NFL. You win with stars. You have to draft stars. And I'm not sure they've drafted one. This last draft pending. This last draft looks really good. George Pickens might be on the verge of becoming a star. Najee Harris is a good player. Pat Fryermuth's a good player, although I would have taken Creed Humphrey for sure, and I still wouldn't have taken a running back in the first round. You may have noticed that the two dynasties in the AFC in the 21st century pretty much use interchangeable running backs, receivers, and edge rushers, which is where the Steelers seem to want to build their team around running backs and edge rushers. But anyway, Pickens might be one. Highsmith's a good player. You got to go back to T.J. Watt to find a star that they drafted. 
who's on the roster right now. This this is not how it's done. The 2020 draft, they didn't have a first-round pick. Claypool, Highsmith, McFarlane, Dotson, failure in development by the Steelers, didn't play him at his natural position. He might be the biggest star they've drafted, only he plays for another team. And then even the 21 draft seems to be plagued by, you know, average players and a, a gigantic mistake in Kendrick Green. A gigantic mistake that may have blown up what could have been a better season. You get a real veteran center with Ben in his final year instead of a guy who couldn't play in front of him at center of all the positions. Yeah, so unfortunately, it didn't end well with Kevin Colbert. It just didn't with those drafts. That That's inarguable. And this man raised a good point in his letter to the intergalactically red mailbag, Sean. And then the Kenny Pickett selection hangs over everything now. What have the Steelers done? Did they get a player who, with a different coordinator, may flourish? What's the ceiling for Kenny Pickett? What was it Michael Jordan said? The ceiling is the roof. The roof is the ceiling. Something is something. I'm afraid the ceiling might be the floor with Kenny Pickett. The ceiling might be the floor. You're in the basement trying to pound up on the kitchen floor here. You might break through, but you're still in the kitchen. Right? Sounds like something you have to call JP Roofing if things don't (laughs) go well. You have to. You might have to. The moral of this whole story is they haven't done enough to help themselves in the draft. Where are the stars, and how can you have lost drafts two in a row? That's going to have an effect on a franchise, and a mighty one at that. Because didn't selecting Bush not only blow up in their faces, but also cost them a first-round pick the next year? Am I right about that? Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. It's it's so difficult if you miss on these marquee draft picks, first round, second round, to some extent, even third round picks. Uh, now, I will say, conversely, there's times where teams can make a big mistake and still overcome it, but it seems like that's few and far between. Obviously, think of the 49ers. They missed horribly on their quarterback pick with Trey Lance, but they were able to get so many late round picks right. And I, I think, to your point, the Steelers really haven't done either, either the first round, second round picks. And they haven't uncovered that many gems in recent years either. You need stars. You know, I think they might have had a great draft this last draft, and they might have a couple stars in there, but that's to be seen. And yes, you're right. The Niners and the Chiefs and the Rams are teams that seem to find really, really good players later on in drafts. You know, Brandon Ayuk was a late first round dra- uh, draft pick, McKivitz, their tackle out of West Virginia, Adam Crowley, was a fifth-round pick. Debo Samuel, second-round pick. Greenlaw, fifth-round pick. I mean, look at these guys. Let's put it this way. In the drafts, and I realize the Niners had stud, stud drafting position here, but I'm talking lower in the draft. 2018, 19, when the Steelers went a long ways toward ruining themselves, these guys came up with Nick Bosa. I could have made that pick at second overall. Debo Samuel Greenlaw from the same draft. Fred Warner in the third round the year before. The rest of that draft was just okay for the Niners, but they got a star. Give me the star. That's what I want. 
I can fill in the rest. I can fill in the rest. Go back to some of the Steelers' drafts from, from a while ago, you know? Jarvis Jones, yeah, they blew it on that one, but they took Le'Veon in the second round. I don't care who else. Uh, Marcus Wheaton, Shamarco Thomas, Justin Brown, Terry Hawthorne. They did get Vince Williams in the sixth round. That's a good draft to me. They got Le'Veon Bell, an unbelievable stud, right? David DeCastro in the first round in 2012. Yeah, they took Mike Adams. Sean Spence got hurt. Chris Rainey. Chris Rainey. (laughs) David Paulson, no relation to Scott. But they got David DeCastro. I'll fill in the rest. You know? And, of course, the year they got Ben. Even to a certain degree, the Santonio Holmes draft. But I digress here. I'm going too far. And I want you to join in. Where does Kevin Colbert take the blame? And do you ever wonder about players? Uh, it's sort of a separate topic. Like Mitch Trubisky, quarterbacks who go into a situation like he did in Chicago and just get ruined because of, because of overzealous, paranoid, egotistical coaching. 928-9370. Time right now, 1033. Time to call Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Why pay 40% when you can pay 25%? Call 888-98-TWINS. Joe Patochnik started a business with his mustache 42 years ago. It's one of the great stories in roofing and siding history. And you may not know that JP was a first ballot roofing Hall of Famer and siding Hall of Famer. Oh, you've had people in the roofing Hall of Fame, lots of them first ballot. Some in the siding Hall of Fame, six or seven. He's the only one in both. And I should have been his presenter, Sean. And maybe I will be. Maybe I will be someday when he gets into his next Hall of Fame because it's a platinum preferred company. It's a nationally recognized company. And it's flourished in Western Pennsylvania for 42 years where you have some pretty discerning customers. They've been out to my house, did a great job. $500 off any roofing or siding installation right now. Give them a call. 412-829-7711. That's 829-7711. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Talking about the Steelers' moves yesterday, about the Mitch Trubisky era, such as it was. Also talking about how two draft picks. I mean, Presley Harvin was a seventh-round pick. But that's another guy that, that Tomlin doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on when everybody's like, what are we doing here? Why is he still punting here? And it was mind-boggling. Him and Chooks now gone. And Chooks, as I went over already, was just the, the whole thing. The whole Chooks story is, is one misstep after another. Until finally he's benched, but the two wide receivers who quit in the middle of games aren't. We still don't know, although DK Sports reported <clears throat> something to the effect that Chooks said we should just kneel on the ball before they went out. <laughs> before they went out at the end of whatever game that was. <clears throat> which might have been the best advice anybody had all year. It's hard for me to believe that, um, I mean, obviously he wasn't serious, right? He may have been ticked. Sounds to me like a statement about Matt Canada's offense. But it also sounds like selective punishment handed out by Mike Tomlin. But the main story here is this again casts reflection on their drafts. You know, and 18 and 19, 18, 19, 20, and 21. 21 was actually, they got Harrison Fryermuth at the top, but I include those because of those drafts remaining on the team is Najee, Fryermuth, Dan Moore for now, Isaiah Loudermilk, Alex Highsmith, and Deontay. That's it. Deontay's the only one left from 18 and 19. Deontay and Highsmith are the only ones left from 18, 19, and 20. That's And I know you parlayed Claypool uh, into picks. I get that. But you have two players left from three drafts who should be in their primes and helping your team right now? That's not good, Sean. Don't call me Seth Myers, is it? Wouldn't call it great. No, I mean, there's some scenarios where guys actually perform so well that they kind of price themselves out, but that well, really hasn't, you want. That yeah. hasn't happened at all here. Exactly. So let's go to the phone lines, 412-928-9370, if you want to weigh in on either one of those. I'm looking at the Ravens drafts year by year right now. And... I mean, in 18, which is the year uh, year the Steelers failed, they got Lamar, right? 
at the end of the first round, and now he's a two-time MVP. So do I need to go on more? And they got Mark Andrews in the third round, for God's sakes. Orlando Brown in the third round, who went on to be a good player. I realize he's not there anymore. Their next draft wasn't great. But the one after that was pretty darn good in 2020. Patrick Queen, Dobbins, with their second pick. Matabuike, who became an all-pro this year. I mean, they got guys. Geno Stone as a safety. They, they got guys. They've outdrafted the Steelers. And again, this last draft from the Steelers looks like it has potential to be a great one. I'll acknowledge that for sure. But we're also talking about Kevin Colbert's final years here. Didn't go well. Who do you got, Sean? We'll start with uh, Brian and Brookline. One of my favorite places, Brookline. Hello, Brian. Hey, Joe. Uh, Before I answer your question, I'd like to thank you. You did an amazing job for Ron. I've, I've honestly, you and Bob, it was great that he was there that day. That week was legendary. That entire week for that guy was legendary. And I just wanted to thank you. You made us proud to be from Pittsburgh. You did it the right way, and I want to thank you for that. Well, I want to thank you for that. That's really kind of you, and Ron deserved to go out that way, and it was a team effort, a group effort on this end of lining up all those people. I mean, everybody was involved. We went back into the computerized Rolodexes of our two horses, Matt Cole and and Joe Kopp, who don't even work here anymore. They were sending me Terry Francona's number, and uh, Bob here got Ben and Bettis, I don't remember how I got Joe Namath. And a lot of people, by the way, at the end of that last show, Brian, thought that it was contrived, like thought that I set it up like, oh, I guess Joe Namath isn't calling, and then now here he is. No, that wasn't the case at all. First of all, I don't remember where I got Namath's number. 18 different people gave me numbers for him. I was leaving messages all over the place. And then I was at the golfing range, and he called me back one day. And that's something to have Joe Namath on the other end of the line. And he said, well, how's Ron? What's Ron going to do now that he's retiring? I said, he's going to drink and read books and go to the beach. And he said, great. He said, I'll call you tomorrow. But the last thing he said was, my memory is still pretty good, but you might want to text me at 1 o'clock. And then I thought, hmm, okay. So we texted him at 1, didn't hear from him, didn't hear from him the whole hour. It got to be 150, which is basically then the end of the show. So I said to Ron, uh, you know, I wanted to get you Joe Namath. And then he called. And, and you couldn't have asked for a better ending, Brian. That was that you can't write it better in a script, Joe. It it it, it was an emotional week. It was a, it was just it was tough. It was And then um, you should have seen what happened when Ron walked out of the studio. He walked heard, he walked out of this studio and this and the hallways were lined up with people who work here in all kinds of capacities clapping for him. As I said, it was like the end of an officer and a gentleman where Richard Gere takes Julia Roberts out of the factory where she worked or wherever it was, picks her up and carries her. The only better ending would have been if I picked up Ron and took him down the stairs or threw him down the stairs. Well, but what's on your mind? Well, Ron, well, Ron left with uh, Ron Fashion uh, right out the door from what I understand, from what reports he did. have it. He, he didn't stop to hear the clapping, which made it even better. He basically just gave a wave and walked out, you know, like a president going to Air Force One. It was unbelievable. Anyway, uh, here's what do you what's got? on my mind, Joe. So 
um, it's, I'm going to morph into Trubisky. I don't want them to go after Justin Fields because I feel like we're just getting another Mitch Trubisky. It's the Bears. It's another mobile quarterback. And I just – I'm afraid of that situation. Uh, we're, we're going after people's draft picks that are not so good. Trubisky, I was with you. I thought he could be decent. He was mobile. Uh, ben was a statue. He could – everything you said was spot on. And I don't know if it was Matt Canada's system. It just, like, ruined him, and it's, like, ruining Pickett. Well, to be clear, uh, gonna... to be clear, if Trubisky was ruined, I think the ruining happened in Chicago. But go ahead. So, so which leads me, it's, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between these two quarterbacks because that talk is they want to go after Fields. Well, well, Mitch Trubisky was the number two draft pick. Uh, Fields was the 11th pick there. Why are we going after this guy? I mean, it's it's like Mitch Trubisky 2.0. It's a reboot. Well, I don't think I don't anybody do – yeah, I understand your points there. There's concerns. I, I don't think Justin Fields is a lock, but but when I just mentioned that Pickens' ceiling might be the floor, I still think that Justin Fields' ceiling might be much higher than that. The ceiling is the roof, as they say. Uh, I would feel more excited about that, more excited about taking a big swing where I feel like – with Pickett, can I even hit a double with Kenny Pickett, or am I trying to draw a walk here or hope for an error or bounce a single? With Fields, I still feel like I could hit a homer, but there's no guarantee, and the complication is that his contract's going to be up. So you're going to have to decide on that fifth-year option. You know, what do you do here? He's going into year what four. Russell what do you Wilson? do? I like Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Is that, uh, a league minimum, the league minimum. Denver's paying all that money. The league minimum. I mean, how can they not see that? He's mobile. He can got a cannon. Uh, it's a one-year rental. I mean, what hurt can, can it do? It's the league minimum. I'm with I mean, you. I'm with you there. I think I'd be more excited about Fields, but you'd also have to give up assets. What's the harm in bringing in Russell Wilson if you're comparing that to Ryan Tannehill? Russell Wilson just went through a season where his own team hated him and worked against him. And I'm talking the executives. People think the players did. I think for a while they did. I think that got straightened out, and they came to his defense when the team turned against him, and he can still play. I, I just watched a season in which, in which Russell Wilson in succession beat Green Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo, Minnesota, and Cleveland, and he threw three, four, six, eight, nine touchdowns and no interceptions in those games and won a couple late. He's not the Russell Wilson of old, but he's – He's a trillion times better than a broken-down Ryan Tannehill. I agree with you. Joe, Thanks. can I just yeah. with this? So, Russell Wilson, league minimum. We need a quarterback to throw touchdowns. How about three touchdowns in a game from a quarterback? How about two, maybe? Okay, I mean, let's – I mean, Kenny Pickett can't get over one. I mean, it just – I mean, we need to score points. I'm tired of I'm – just, I'm just tired of the – I'm Joe, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I just want to see some change. I'm with you, man. Thanks for the call. Russell Wilson had one, two. I'm proving I can count again. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight multiple touchdown games. Eight games with a passer rating over 100. Like, I, I understand people saying you're not getting prime Russell Wilson. I get that. But the idea that he can't play anymore is a lie. That's just not true. There's that, that, that's too many games where he played well. Again, probably a coach who doesn't fit his skills, a team that didn't want him from the top, threatened him. If he didn't take things out of his contract, they were going to cut him. 
made that threat after he scored Denver's biggest win in years by beating the Chiefs. He did that. 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions. What what is there not to see about that? 341 yards rushing. Did you watch the game in Buffalo where they beat the Bills 24-22? Where he won the game late? 24-29? Buck 93, two touchdowns? Keeping plays alive with 30 yards rushing? What are what are we talking about here? When we say oh, for, when we're summarily dismissing Russell Wilson, like what are you doing? Next, you're going to go to Paul in Natrona Heights. Hey, Paul, that's another place near and dear to my heart because I used to work at the Valley News Dispatch. Oh, wonderful, Joe. Good morning. What's um, up? Uh, the guy that just Brian. I enjoyed listening to this man. He knows what he's talking about. Um, just like he said about your shows last week with Ron, I thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of them. <laughs> uh, brought back a lot of brought back a lot of great memories. I'm 65, yeah, and I'm hardcore and I'm old school, and I really miss Cookie already. Um, you know, uh, because like I said, he's old school. I go back to Stan Saverin, Myron Cope. Bill Hillbrook. I I talked to those people. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Have I just again, been insulted? Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. I, I don't know. Seen mixture of compliment and insult. Or don't, or no, don't but call, or don't call Seth Myers Pat Myers. You know the <laughs> offensive line coach. <laughs> Go ahead. What do you got? Where they could where they could have, where they could have gotten back Mike Munchak, but that's another story. Yeah. Um, all three of our sports teams, and of course we're talking about the Steelers, of course. But I lay the blame on all three owners for all the failures that's happened. You know, the buck stops here with them. Until they wise up and smarten up, and Rooney especially takes his blindfold off and get rid of Mike Tomlin. Uh, I blame him and Tomlin both for these poor drafts. Tomlin is a poor game day coach uh, to begin with. Uh, he takes timeouts out, you know, in the locker room where you can't use them, like in the Buffalo game. Um, after they lost the two, two, two and ten football teams on their home field, I was convinced that Tomlin had to go. And until they do that, Joe, this team is not going to go anywhere. And the quarterback situation, other you're you're selling me a little bit on Russell Wilson, but anybody else. They're a bunch of losers. Even Baker Mayfield um, is a loser. I don't want him around either. Um, I appreciate the call, buddy. I-, I like Baker. I think he's the opposite of a loser. I think he's a winner. As I've said many times, they should have built a statue for that guy in Cleveland. He won a playoff game for the Cleveland Browns. Period. End of story. Statue. Instead, they sold their souls for $230 million in guaranteed money. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Browns took a steep fall now and a deserved one at that. They should have kept Baker is what they should have done. How did that go so far south, honestly? Isn't Baker the kind of guy that a town like Cleveland or Pittsburgh loves? And after the quarterbacks that they went through? For decades, this guy won a playoff game. Beat the Steelers, if I recall. 
and they I think they sold him out. He played hurt with bad ribs the one year, and and now well I know Cleveland's coming off a good year in, in which. By the way, did they win the Super Bowl, the Browns? Did the NFL wind up awarding them the Super Bowl, too? I haven't heard that. They got Coach of the Year. They got Defensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Coordinator of the Year for a guy whose defense was last in the NFL in red zone defense and not even in the top ten in scoring defense and got lit up over the last six or seven games for the most part. Miles Garrett was was invisible for the last six or seven games. But he's Defensive Player of the Year. Joe Flacco is Comeback Player of the Year, even though the other guy, DeMar Hamlin, basically came back from passing away on the field. He's the all-time Comeback Player of the Year. And 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 what's his name? Uh, Jim Schwartz. Why did these turn into the Cleveland Awards? Can we retroactively give them the Super Bowl as well, Sean? Yeah, they might be able to do that. Are they going to have a parade in Cleveland this week? It's like in college football, they, you know, they strip – USC and Reggie Bush, they'll do that. The Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl. It's the Browns. Get some of these voters to to award Cleveland the Super Bowl. How is Tom Brady voting for these awards? Did you see that? Yeah, he. Uh, I'm guessing that's because they thought he was going to be doing color analyst work. But so what? Yeah, I, I don't know. Some of these guys I respect a lot and women, although there's not many women on this list either of voters. And some I just, like, what are we doing here? How's Tom Brady already a voter for the AP Awards? Anyway, Paul Steigerwald next. We have lots of Penguins to talk about, including some Yarmir Yager stories that we can tell, given the event that's going to happen this weekend. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills, um, Yager retirement of the uh, of the jersey on Sunday is going to be something to see, right? And deserve it for sure. But there's a lot of good stories, and I want to see where Steige has Yager ranked on his all-time Penguin list. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Mix of clouds and sun today. And a high of 44. And let's take a look now that football's over. We should turn our attention to the NBA. I told you to get on the Warriors, didn't I? They're hot and getting hotter. You want those trends right now. Bet the NBA with a no sweat. Same game parlay from FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge. Every Thursday with TNT Thursdays. Doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel, already have an account. You'll get bonus bets back if your same game parlay doesn't win on any NBA on TNT game. NBA same-game parlays, the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance to score a bigger payday. However you want to play, just head to FanDuel.com slash Starkey to bet the NBA with a no-sweat same-game parlay with TNT Thursdays. That's FanDuel.com slash Starkey. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21-plus and present in Pennsylvania. Minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund, $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. T. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Big day Sunday at the hockey rink. And by the way, fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Do you have access to the text line yet? Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. Please we're, tell we're me still yes. efforting on still that. Efforting yes, it's on a, that. It's a big ordeal, yes. I want to do a text in the city segment. Can you please have somebody come in and give you the code or whatever you need to see the text. I, this I has will, been a month. I, I, I know. It's, it's it's quite a process. I will follow up and, and try to have that for us today. Who better to talk about Yager than our friend Steige? And he is on the Sullivan Super Service fan hotline, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Steige, when I first came on the beat, which was 1997-98, Yager was at the very height of his powers. He wasn't yet the captain. Ron Francis was the captain, but he soon would be. He was the centerpiece. And I know you have uh, great stories about Mario when Mario came to town and you picking him up from the airport and things like that. Let's let's tell some Yager stories because his his arrival here was a little bit tricky. I was just reading about it again to refresh my memory. Nobody knew if he could get out of uh, Czechoslovakia at the time. Uh, nobody knew. So tell us the beginnings of Yager, what you remember. Well, I, I just remember that, uh, you know, there was some theory that the teams ahead of the Penguins in the draft, the four teams ahead of them were told that he wasn't coming over. And, uh, and but Yager told the Penguins that he would, so he he wanted to come over and play for the Penguins apparently. Uh, so that was interesting, and I'd like to get that from Yager when he, when he comes into town on Friday. I, I want to get him to really talk about how aware he was of Mario and the Penguins when he was you know 16, 17 years old, and really what uh, what what happened there with Craig Patrick, and because I've heard it told in different ways, and I, I just want to know for sure that you know that he had the opportunity to speak with other teams and told them he wasn't coming because i find it interesting that he was at the draft which would indicate that those teams if they'd have seen him sitting there you would have thought that they would say hey listen this kid's here i mean he said he was he's sitting here in the stands maybe we ought to rethink our pick you know what i mean so i want to know whether or not he really told those Mm. teams Yes. He wouldn't come. Don't you find that interesting? Yes. Because a lot of it, to me, it might have to do with the fact that maybe Mario, he, he knew that Mar- was aware of Mario, wanted to play for the Penguins. It also could just be that those four teams ahead of the Penguins were dumb and didn't take a best player because they maybe they didn't feel comfortable taking a guy from behind. Well, the Iron Curtain was no longer there, really. I mean, the it, the, the wall had come down in 89 but there was there were still Soviet troops in Prague in 1991. That's when they left. So there there were still uh, remnants of communism there, and 
from what I heard, he had to drive across the border from Czechoslovakia to Germany to pick up a flight. The Pe- Pittsburgh had a nonstop flight from Pittsburgh to Frankfurt and return back in those days on U.S. Airways, and he caught that flight in Frankfurt with his mom to come over. But when I when I met Yager, he had come to the airport for the very first time, and he he was down in the waiting area there, right near the tarmac in the old Pittsburgh airport. He came in with his mom and his dad came, and they went to the Billet family's house, uh, the Nemitzes, N-E-M-E-C. I hope to meet that family again. It's been so long. And he came in and hung out for a little while, and Badger Bob was there, and he was asking him questions like, uh, who's the best Czech player, you know, and things like that. He was, like, trying to talk to them. It's great stuff. <laughs> but, you know, that was their first chance to really have an encounter with him. And, and uh, so then uh, the next day I went shopping with him. I took him to Ross Park Mall with his mom. And, uh, <laughs> what was that and like? It, it was awesome. I mean, there's pretty good footage of it. You'll see it in some videos. It was in the 50th anniversary video at, you know, we went up in a van, and I drove up in the KDKA uh, van with, uh, I'm sure it was Michael Chalik at the time, the videographer who's one of the best of all time at KDKA. And we went up there and went to Ross Park Mall and went to the Gap, and he wanted to buy jeans and uh, blue jean jackets. And you'll see in the footage, it's pretty pretty accessible. You can find it anywhere. Uh, he looks great at that stuff. And then he goes to a, to a music store. He's looking at CDs. And I said, what kind of music do you like? He said, metal. And then he, and then he said... <laughs> Fun. So it was pretty cool, and um, he was quite aware of you know some of the hard rock bands, and he actually looked like a rat rock star to me with the hair and everything. He was a you know typical teenager in a sense. He liked you know he liked fast cars and girls and all that stuff, and and he loved playing hockey. Um, I think it was Rossi and Yoey put together a wonderful piece in which they quoted you, I believe, in the Athletic. Just random stories about Yager. So he was a star. I mean, the way you just described him, you know when somebody walks into a room, they're a little bit different. And there were legendary legendary stories from Cladno about how he developed those powerful piston legs that he had, which really, to me, were the engine that drove Yager. Obviously, unbelievably soft hands, all kinds of things he had going for him. But the ability to keep people off the puck... I've never seen another like him in the offensive zone. And it was those piston legs that drove the whole thing, right? The legs feed the wolf, like Herb Brooks said. How did he develop those? He did a 1,000 squats a day from the time he was about 10 years old or maybe even younger. I, I don't know. You know, a 1,000 squats a day, it's, that's a lot. You know, and he would run alongside of his dad's uh, tractor, you know, on the farm and things like that. I mean, he, he, he was a – classic example of you know training in a in a more raw sort of uh you know coming up with ideas as opposed to having a you know a, a trainer who's working on all these different aspects of your uh you know your anatomy i mean he just he just did a simple thing he did he did squats you know the later the the term became plyometrics you know you'd see guys doing those squats where they would squat and then on the way back up they would jump you know that, that was he did that stuff where he he would he would squat down and then jump up, uh, you know, to to uh, strengthen his his engine, you know, his his butts his butt buttocks and his legs. He had huge legs anyway. I mean, if you, I don't know, you've seen that footage Joe, of him skating around in his underwear on the ice, like you know, stick handling, and he, he's out there and you can see his legs, like his full legs, and he just had incredibly big legs naturally. His dad was a big man, 
So he was, you know, he was born, you know, big boned and, and, uh, you know, it was a, with the potential to have a very muscular body. He just had to develop it. His dad must've known that because I don't know where he would have else. He would have gotten the idea to do a thousand squats a day, but that's what he did. Steiger, I remember, and we're talking to Paul Steigerwald here about Yager since, you know, that's what this week is kind of about. And certainly what Sunday is going to be about. That's going to be a fun and exciting day. Uh, for the Penguins and their fans. When I watched Sidney Crosby in his first practice, I remember watching it with you, with Bob Airy, with a couple of other people, and everybody was like, wow, like this is, they could see the subtleties in his game. Like this is crazy. Like day one, you could see that this guy was different. What do you remember about Yager's first practice or two? And when did people start to realize that this guy is not like the others? Well, I, you know, what I remember is that he uh, still looked like somebody who had a lot of developing to do as a hockey player. Uh, he wasn't really good at shooting the puck. Uh, Rick Kehoe was put in charge of working on his wrist shot every day. Rick Kehoe had a great wrist shot uh, when he played hockey, scored 55 goals with it. And uh, he really could snap the puck, like probably as well as anybody. I mean, that's how good he was at it. And he taught Yager how to snap the puck. Yager would sweep it uh, when he shot it. And also he had more of a tendency to want to go to his backhand and shoot it that way. So Keo worked on him, you know, delivering that wrist shot. And it wasn't just the hands. It's the transfer of weight and all the things that go along with, right? So he had to kind of learn that. But he's a quick study. I mean, he's just a great really intelligent person. Yager is unbelievably smart. Uh, you know, so he, 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 he caught on, I think, pretty quickly and started to shoot the puck in games and score goals. And then he had a really good rookie year in the, in the final analysis. But he definitely had to work at some aspects of his game. But as you said, he had those puck protection skills right from the start where he would just turn his back to a defender. And Another thing he liked to do was use his arm, like almost like a stiff arm, like a running back. So he would put that arm out to hold off a defender and he could handle the puck with one hand on a stick. And that was really something else. So he could go in the corner and he would wait for somebody to come up and, and you know, and try to check him. And then he'd spin off that guy and use his leg. And Sidney Crosby does the exact same thing now. You know, I mean, Sid is a centerman. Yager's a winger. So Sid learned a lot of different, you know, facets of the game and really, really refined a lot of really, you know, things that subtleties in, in his game because he's so passionate about the game and so also so intelligent and and Yager did that but I think Yager because he played the wing he didn't have to take face-offs and a lot of those other aspects of the game that Sid's developed but I think they're similar players in a lot of ways I mean imagine you know for fans who've never seen Yager play in person imagine Sidney Crosby at 6'3 230 okay because that's that's what that's basically what you had and Yager was a grinder I mean he didn't hit guys like Sid will take the body and really take you know deliver solid solid body checks. Yager rarely did that. He'd go in the corner, he'd bump the guy or, you know, w- wiggle his way into position and then reach in there and get the puck free. And then he'd protect it, turn, find somebody open or shoot the puck. Kind of a lot of things that Sid does in the offensive zone. He was phenomenal at that stuff. Plus, as time went on, he became better off the rush. He became like a brilliant puck rusher, you know, where he carried the puck with authority and he would make a great pass. And then maybe get the puck back and score goals. He was, he was good at beating goalies. He liked to go to the backhand a lot early on. But then he developed all of his shots. Um, I don't remember him really one timing pucks a lot. Uh, not the way like Malkin can do it. Uh, 
I remember Badger Bob saying, he can't shoot off a pass. He has to work on shooting off the pass. He can't shoot off the pass. So, you know, those were the kinds of things that he had to learn on the fly, on the job, and he he picked it up very quickly. Man, I'm just looking at his career numbers. One year he had, in 95-96, he took 403 shots, which was by far the most of his career. And I didn't remember that as a 33-year-old in 05-06 with the Rangers, after he had he had slowed down for several years. Washington did not work out for him. As a 33-year-old, he had 154 goals and 123 points. Yep. And he finished second in the Hart Trophy voting. But I wanted to ask you this. What year was that? That was 05-06. Yeah. I didn't remember that. that. A lot of people still talk about the goal against the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup final and about how oh, yeah. that's the loudest they ever heard the arena. One of the great moments in Civic Arena history. Was it the loudest moment for you? And if not, what topped it? And what do you remember about that miracle goal? No, the loudest was the goal Mario scored right after that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because Yager tied and then Mario put him ahead. It was what you don't expect. I mean, you think when Yager scores, the game's going to overtime, and then Mario scores on a power play. Uh, and that's when the place went crazy because everybody knew the Penguins were going to win the game. But that that was an incredible goal by Yags. It kind of came out of nowhere. You know, he's he's over on the left wing wall. He beats a couple of guys on the way to the net. Interferes with another guy. Uh, I think it was uh, Kuchera, the defenseman, and then Yager went around Sean McEachern and that defenseman that he interfered with, and and uh, you know swept that back in on Eddie Belfour, who you know really was a basket case by the end of that game. Uh, you know, and, uh, it, and, you know, that was a, just an amazing goal because he kind of danced his way to the front of the net, you know, and, and stick handled, and he was still only in his second year in the league. I mean, that's the thing about it. I mean, he came in, he was raw. They had to teach about his fire a wrist shot. Then all of a sudden he's making those plays by the time the Stanley cup final rolls around. And what it was, was basically a glimpse into the crystal volley. What you were seeing was what Yager was going to become. I mean, he just kind of blossomed before our eyes in a very, I think, very, very quickly because, it was, again, it was only the end of the second season in the league. He was a mercurial figure, to put it mildly, Steige. I covered sports for decades here now, and I've never, never covered an athlete that would be at one day as uh, almost jubilant uh, as he would be, followed by the next day being completely morose I don't think he ever really wanted to be the captain of the team or or fully embraced that, although he had some great moments as captain. He was just a really, really mercurial, I think is the best word to describe him, as his career went on and more was expected of him on the leadership side. Yeah, and I think there was a, maybe a little bit of a manic-depressive aspect to his personality, like you said. Um, and it, it kind of revealed itself. Uh, as the pressure mounted on him. And I was thinking about it. Uh, I mean, I've been thinking about a lot of this stuff because I got to do an interview with him on Friday at Rivers Casino. And, and you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the thing that stands out to me is that Yager definitely would have been a Penguin his entire career. I'm not, I, I'm absolutely certain of that if things were normal, but they weren't. The league was sick. The Penguins were sicker. And I think because of that, Yager had to bear the burden of the financial woes of the Penguins, uh, a lot of his uh, teammates that he had had in the 90s going away. Then they brought in Ivan Halinka. He just became such a centerpiece for, for 
you know, for the Penguins and, and how the success was tied to what he would do, that the pressure did mount on him a bit. And then I think he got interested in some other aspects of life. I mean, he got into gambling and, you know, he got into the stock market and things like that. And I, I think I think he got distracted. I, I remember him being noted for his, his work ethic and his, you know, workouts. He'd run the steps in each arena he went to before the game and all that. I think he got away from that a little bit later in his career and he had injuries too he had the groin problem that was nagging him all the time he had a pronation of his right foot and ankle that created a problem for him that actually extended up into his leg into his groin they're having a tough time treating it he was looking for different skates he had steve latin sewing stitching his boots on his skates all different ways to try to support that ankle i mean it just kind of collapsed on him all at once while the penguins were collapsing as an organization okay so if he's if he's playing in an era like today with the salary cap in, in Pittsburgh, he never leaves Pittsburgh. He plays he he's another Mario. He plays or Sid. He plays his entire career in Pittsburgh. His his career actually might have intersected with Sid's. Although if he had been here, maybe the whole all the fate would have been different, you know. But still, you know what I mean. Like that year with the Rangers that you mentioned, that was Sid's rookie year. So you know he he would have continued to play uh, for a long time in Pittsburgh, I think. But boy. As you know, Joe, it, uh, you know they were in bankruptcy, and he he essentially saved the team from going into the throes of bankruptcy with zero relevance. Well, the Penguins would have been irrelevant at the time of that bankruptcy proceeding if not for Yager saving that one series against New Jersey. So, in the end, I mean, one of the all-time greats, and just just everything from the name in which you could spell Mario Jr. to the number to the personality to the hairstyle, to everything else, a superstar in the end. And where, yeah, lo- where, go ahead, Stoggy. A larger than life figure, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of those guys, like a, like he's a national hero. That's the other thing. I mean, in, in, in a check, in Chechi, I would say, call it now, he, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a real, real icon. I mean, and he, and as he should be, I think when they won the Olympics in 98, I mean, that team was fabulous and they, and they had great players and he was the best of all of them. And it was, and he's he's a national hero and 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 uh, a really interesting character in the sense that he did play for so many teams in the NHL that people around the hockey world got a chance to kind of root for him as theirs for a while. But uh, I think in the end he'll be remembered as a Penguin, and I think that's good that they're retiring his number here in Pittsburgh because you know 11 seasons with Pittsburgh, he won four scoring titles in a row. No one's won more, four in a row other than uh, Wayne Gretzky. He won seven straight and a total of ten. Mm. Yager won five, but he won four straight. I've fluctuated at times between Gino and him. Gino playing the more um, premium position of center. But when you put it like that, I, I think my top four Penguins of all time, Steige, and I wonder if you agree, Mario one, Sid two, Yager three, Gino four. You agree? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you, Snaggy. Yager won twice as many scoring titles. He he won more scoring titles than Geno and Sid combined. That's pretty amazing. I mean, I don't know if people – I think we were kind of spoiled because the Penguins were winning all the scoring titles when Mario and Yager were here. But when you look back on it, four in a row, come on. That's pretty amazing. Snaggy, thanks for taking the time. Those were great stories. I appreciate it, man. No, no problem. Take care, Joe. That's Paul Steigerwald, and that is great stuff. It really is. Um, fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, personal injury law firm. 
where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Coming up next, man, I got some asked some very interesting Steeler-related questions in the old mailbag today. Um, and also the Noah Constrictor. Yes, I forgot about the Noah Constrictor because he moved at the last second. I want to know about Pitt's NCAA tournament hopes. What do they need to do here to actually get in? We'll talk to Noah Hiles from the Post-Gazette next. Back out to the Sullivan Super Service fan hotline, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. This has become like a variety show, Sean, like a late night talk show or something. We have a variety of stars, the latest of which is the Noah Constrictor. Is he on the line? He sure as heck is. Noah Hiles of the Post-Gazette covers the Pitt basketball team. And man, was I heartened to look at your story today. I didn't know, Sean. Sean. Why did I call him Sean? Because you're Sean. That's why. It's a logical mistake, actually. You can start calling me Noah if you want. Noah, I apologize for calling you Sean, but I didn't know whether we were going to see, whether I was going to see a truly important pit basketball game this season. I was getting very worried about that, and we're at least going to have one big game, and I'm heartened by that, and I love the part of your story that said a win tonight in Charlottesville would, quote, truly put the Panthers back on the bubble. This is must-watch TV. I didn't know if we were going to get there this year. Tell me about this game and about what they need to do to get in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's this is the biggest game they might play all season. Just looking at the way these two teams are trending, these are the two hottest teams in the ACC, Joe. One of them took itself from being on the wrong side of the bubble to being a lock right now for the tournament. It's won eight straight. It's number 21 in the country right now. It's won 23 straight games at home. It's really figuring itself out. And the other team's pit, which has won five of its last six, including some big road wins, all sparked by that upset over Duke. And we kind of, last time I was on the show, we kind of talked about this. What do they need to do to get back in the mix? Well, they did that. They won five of their last six. They got some quad one and quad two wins. And this is the next big step earning another road win over a ranked team who's arguably the hottest team in the country right now, this puts them in the mix again. And does that necessarily mean that, you know, we're going to look at the bracketology update later in the week and see Pitt as a team that's going to Dayton right now? No, it doesn't. But they're going to be in the, the, the first four out or the next four out or even a team that's considered. And then you look at what's ahead is a game Saturday against Louisville. That's an easy win, you would think. So that's if they can get the job done tonight, that's seven out of eight wins. And then you go into Winston-Salem, a team that's also fighting for the bubble next week. And that's another big game. So the path is right in front of Pitt right now. This is a huge matchup. And this is what you hope for if you're rooting for Pitt basketball, to have meaningful basketball in February. This is it. This is the biggest game, I think, in college basketball tonight. So what I'm hearing is that a win – obviously clinches nothing but a loss might be might be the nail in Pitt's coffin for anything short of winning the ACC tournament because they don't have many chances for quality wins left am I hearing that yeah yeah that's that's 
I don't know if it's necessarily a nail in the coffin, but the coffin door is definitely shut um, because they still have a couple of quad one opportunities. They, they have road games at Wake Forest, at Clemson. But, I mean, both of those teams are, are on the bubble right now as well. So it, it's not going to be the statement that it would be to be able to boast on your resume and say, we won at Cameron Indoor Stadium, and then we also went to Virginia, and we beat a team that had not lost there in its last 23 games, and it was on an eight-game win streak. Those are two statement victories for a team that did not have any notable wins in non-conference. You can point to those two wins and say, look, these are our statements, and we're a different team now because we have put together a nice little run. And also a win gives them a little leeway. So if they do lose in Winston-Salem or in Clemson later this month, they still have a little bit of a cushion. But if they lose tonight, you're looking at having to go perfect to be even in the conversation at the end of the regular season. And it's still probably on the wrong end of that conversation. You would probably need them to go to at least the ACC final uh, to have a shot. So this is this is a huge, huge, huge game. Noah Hiles of the Post-Gazette on the fan hotline. Yeah, this is the game that I could see in those, you know, committee meetings that if you're, if you're arguing for Pitt, assuming that Virginia, if they lost tonight, would continue to win like this, that would be the best thing for Pitt. You beat them tonight, then root for them to keep winning. This this would be the game that people would say, look at that win they had against Virginia. What's Virginia's deal here? Uh, it doesn't look like they have a superstar by any means, but h- how are they winning? <laughs> They're winning by being the most efficient backcourt in the country. I think they lead the country in assist-to-turnover ratio. They're top 15 in turnover margin. They're one of the best def- second-best defensive team in the country. They shoot the three-ball very well, nearly 40%. Um, they've got great guards, Joe. They start four of them. Uh, one of them, Dunn, is a guy who can guard all five positions on the floor. He's up, up near the top of the ACC in blocks, but he's also a good scorer. Uh, you have Beekman, who is the reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He's also 15th in the country in assists. That's going to be the big test in my eyes tonight having that veteran guard who plays Tony Bennett basketball just as good as anyone really has, you know, not turning the ball over, finding the right guy, playing incredible defense, him versus these two freshmen that have been lights out over the last month. That's going to make the difference. If Pitt's backcourt can hang it, hold its own, not commit turnovers, take smart shots, capitalize on opportunities, it's going to have a chance to win. But if you allow this veteran backcourt, to play the way it's designed to play and play the way that it has been playing Mm. that just kind of, you call me the Noah constrictor. I mean, this team constricts teams to death. It it held Miami to 17 points in the first half a couple weeks ago. Uh, It's a tough team to score against, so you can't make a lot of mistakes. Are they still playing the classic Tony Bennett pack line defense? Are they still noted for that? Or has that become more prevalent in college basketball to the point where it's not that unusual? Do they still play it? What are they doing defensively? I mean, they're still doing it, and, and they just do it better than anyone. It, it is more common now, but I, they, they, this is a typical Tony Bennett team. It's a team that's first in the league in defense and second to last in the league in scoring. It's a team that is efficient. It's a team that has its weaknesses. It, it's not good on the foul line. It's not necessarily the most accurate shooting team from inside the three-point line. Uh, but what it does well, it's excellent at, and it forces you to play a different game when you're heading into their building. And Pitt needs to remain to play its, its game. It needs to find outside looks. It needs to get to the basket as well because we've seen what happens in recent games when it does create a little bit of pressure. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's your it's your standard Tony Bennett team, Joe. This they just they're playing they're playing the way they're recruited to play and designed to play, and that's why they're winning. And it also sounds like you know there's an opportunity where they're almost going to leave you in the game because it's going to be maybe fairly low scoring. I see where uh, Clemson they had a very close game OT with NC State. They did blow out some teams though. What has been Pitt's biggest key to how they've turned around their season? It's been guard play. Um, similar to last year. It's a team that's going to go as far as its guards can take it. You know, Henson is the best player in the sense where he's experienced. He's the guy who can get the team going when he gets hot. But you need guards to create for Henson. You need guards to take pressure off of the front court, which is the weakness on the team. And over the last couple of weeks, when Pitt's been putting it together, the emergence of Jaden Lowe uh, as the team's – or Jalen Lowe as the team's point guard, the ability for him to get to the hole, to – kind of take some pressure off of Henson and, and allow Carrington to play as a true two. The emergence of Ishmael Leggett as a team six man who, you know, Lowe can see the team's point guard every night. Henson and, and Carrington can be scoring focused, and Leggett can be whatever Pitt needs him to be in a certain matchup. He can be a defender. He can be a scorer. He can be a rebounder. And having that three-guard depth, which they didn't have consistently for the front half of their season, has been the difference maker so far. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge, Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. I'm excited. I'm excited to finally see a big basketball game. Like I said, I didn't know if we were going to get one. Um, And it seems to me, Noah, that the Panthers had a great first half at NC State. So-so in the second half, made the plays that were needed. In other words, I'm not sure that they've yet put together a brilliant all-around game, or have they? They did in Durham, uh, and that's kind of what sparked this run that they're on. Uh, They played a great 40 minutes against Duke, which is by far their best win of the year, and that allowed them to have the confidence to grind out wins, like we saw at Georgia Tech at home against Wake Forest uh, last week against NC State. Mm. You know, beating those teams that are – similar levels to them, even though, like you said, Joe, they hadn't played two great halves. I mean, in some of those wins, like I listed with Wake Forest, they weren't good at all in the first half and then picked it up. Whereas you also pointed out last week in NC State, they were terrible for really, I would say the last 15 minutes, they were not the better team on the court. But having the confidence, I still think, from Durham is important in every game, especially in a game like tonight, where it's going to be another crazy atmosphere. It's going to be against another ranked opponent. It's going to be against a team that is kind of a tough matchup for what they do. Having that confidence saying, you know what, our best game of the year came against the best team we played. And this, is, this isn't North Carolina. It's not Duke, but it's, it's not far away from that. And they're playing at probably a higher level than those teams were when we ran into them. So having that confidence and knowing that their best game came against their toughest atmosphere and challenge is something that they're going to probably lean on tonight. All right. I'm looking forward to it, man. Good luck, and we'll read your stuff tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Joe. That's the Noah Constrictor, Noah Hiles from the Post-Gazette. And I really feel that way. I mean, I even thought after the Miami game, we had Noah on, was it after the Duke game or before the Duke game, where he's like, they basically have to, you know, lose one, maybe two, or win out here to have a chance. That's They were, they were one in five in the conference going into the Duke game. And thankfully, you know, you get breaks. 
people get breaks against Pitt, too. Two of Duke's starters don't play, so they go in there. They play a really good game, and they win. And as Noah said, that obviously built some confidence there. Wish they had beaten Miami. But they've come back now to win five of six, and this feels like their season tonight. That's what it feels like to me. All right, coming up next, how about Jay Caulfield? We got Steige's perspective on Yager and Yager's incredible history here and what's going to happen Sunday. Let's get one of his former teammates to weigh in here in Jay Caulfield. We'll talk to him next. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. A mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 44. JP Roofing and Siding, one of my favorite topics. My friend A-Rod came out to the house. Eh, it's been about three, four, five years. Everything happened five years ago, according to Seinfeld. So that's what I'm going to say. Five years ago. And it was raining inside, and he immediately knew why and fixed it. End of story. Good story, wasn't it? When someone comes out to your house to do repair work, you want it done right. That's a big deal to call, to schedule, to pay, to worry, all that. Well, Joe Potochnik, JP Roofing and Siding, has been doing this for 42 years, as I mentioned, and doing it really well. He built his business through customer satisfaction and i'm one of their satisfied customers five hundred dollars off right now any roofing or siding installation it's a platinum preferred company nationally recognized company give them a call 412-829-7711 that's 829-7711 With your fan headlines, this is Sean Myers. Yesterday, the Steelers announced that they released three players, quarterback Mitch Trubisky, offensive tackle Chooks Okorafor, and punter Presley Harvin. Tonight, Pitt men's basketball, we just talked about it. The Panthers at number 21 ranked Virginia. The Cavaliers are 10-3 and in the ACC. Pitt is at 6-6. Six and six. That's a 7 o'clock tip. Pre-game starts at 6.30. Of course, you can hear that right here on 93.7 The Fan or by utilizing the free Odyssey app. Fan headlines powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville now open for more. Check out 937thefan.com. Sean, let's go out to the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline where we find our friend and yours, Stanley Cup champion, Jay Caulfield. Jay, it's been a little lonely in here without Ron this week. It's just, you know, I guess it's like for you when somebody either gets traded or more accurately retires, you see them every day in the locker room and then they're not there anymore. It's a very strange feeling, isn't it? It is, and it's 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 a lot with it. The way you explained it, that's what it is like when uh, a player gets moved and somebody who's close to the you know close to you, and and then it's mo- I mean, a lot of times, Joe, it's like when that happens, it the next guy comes in, and and then then you just continue to move on. But uh, yeah, very difficult, and I'm sure for you, 
you and Ron have been tight for a long time and done a great job. You're a great team together. Now here you are flying solo. Well, and Ron's flying solo too, and he told me he was going to send me a photo at the beginning of the Super Bowl because his goal was to be at his new house in Fort Myers, and he sure was, and he had a University of Buffalo T-shirt on. A well, what kind of a, a yingling in his right hand? He was standing up on his deck with a lake in the background and the sun, and he looked like a man who had the weight of the world lifted from his shoulders. I've never seen him look happier. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and good for him. Yeah, it really is. Well, Jay, it's going to be a big day Sunday at at yep. the rink. Uh, Yarmir Yager getting that jersey raised to the rafters. I talked to Steige earlier from his perspective, and I wanted to focus a little bit on Yager for a while here. Were you there when he first arrived? Yes, yeah. So when he first arrived, Craig Patrick, and I even just talked to Craig about this the other night. So we, Alicia and I, there was a party downtown in Pittsburgh, and Craig put it on with his wife, Jamie, and, uh, just to bring Yager in and have him meet uh, some of the players, but also f- people from the Czechoslovakia, from the Czech community in Pittsburgh, kind of thing. Yeah, and got to know him, got to meet him there, his family. Then they went back, and then we came back and we skated. It was just uh, Craig and I and Yager up, and we skated in Monroeville, Golden Mile Ice Rink. For anybody who's listening that knows that arena. Uh, we skated at the Gold Mile. A good, great friend of ours, Dale Rossetti, got the ice for us, and we skated out there. And I used to skate there in the summertime. And uh, we had the ice. It was just Yager and I. And Craig and his two sons came out with us a number of days, too. But really, Craig and I and Yager and just started doing drills together. And uh, that was his first. That was, you know, before camp. And and uh, it was you know, it was just a young, uh, an 18-year-old young man coming to, coming to the U.S. to play hockey in the best league in the world. And um, that's what it was like. We went out there, did our drills, and the communication, that's a big thing. I, I always feel for the player, you know, that coming from another country, they don't know the language, so there was that barrier. But uh, just a, a, a happy-go-lucky young man that was going to work hard at the game, and I don't know if anybody would know that it would turn into what he's done. But uh, Craig Shirley, they were so high on him, and it was great that he came in. But we had our first time together. I think uh, Yager and I and Craig were the first ones on the ice together with him when he came to town. That is amazing. So what did you notice first? Did, did you know then as an 18-year-old that he would at least make an impact in the league as soon as he got in? I think um, I think that took through camp. I mean, I think you knew he was a top pick and, and what that meant and and just the body, like just the, the, sky, the drive even still in the practices that we were doing because it was just the two of us and Craig was monitoring everything we were doing. And I'm sure Craig was judging it like, hey, how's it? Is he going to keep pushing it? Is he somebody that kind of bails on drills or anything simple like that? I'm sure Craig is always very aware and alert. Uh, I just thought it was a no, there was a no quit, no, never backed off any drill, never stopped working as hard as we talk about Sidney Crosby all the time. Those, those guys, the mentality, their life is the game of, you know, their life has been the game of hockey. And at a high level, the Sidney Crosby's done. Well, Yager was somebody, an 18 year old that was, that's that's all I noticed. There was no. We, it was the two of us going through drills, and he was not ever backing off, and kept working and working. And we went for, we had good hard skates when we were doing that, and that's all. I mean, I could never tell you that he would have been, wow, like what he's accomplished and what. But I, you did know that 
you know, we did any one-on-one drills and corners and little things like that. Did you knew that he had a base one thing, even at 18, it was going to be hard to get the puck off him. I believe he's one of the best in the league that have really ever played the game that held onto a puck and possessed it. That was just one element. And you could see that part of it. And he just grew and then worked on his game, Joe, over the years, through the years, we had training camp. That was Bob Johnson. That's that first year, Bob Johnson. We were in Vail, Colorado. And uh, I think he just, I think he soaked up you kind of like watching the, the great players that were on our, that team. He just kind of took in how they probably tried to handle it, what he needed to work on. I believe Rick Keogh was a big part of helping him too on his shot and his release. And they worked on it all the time. And he worked on all the stuff that we did. Any extra conditioning, he was always there doing it. So that's what I saw in him. And, and, um, like any first round pick, you got to, and you just got to wait and see how it plays itself out. And certainly, it took it to the, he went to the nth degree with that, and has been, uh, was unbelievable here. And that's why they're retiring his number and what it all means to the city of Pittsburgh and what he meant, uh, what the fans meant to him. How long did it take him, Jay, before he fit in with the guys? Like he could give you guys, uh, you know, go right back at you guys if you were giving him uh, some stuff. I think that would so that would be a while still. Even though our locker room was a very friendly, I mean, our locker room was it wasn't like uh, guys that were, you know, there was a friendly locker room as far as but the but the the star power in the locker room was, you know, extreme, right? So I don't think I think everybody let him just kind of grow and evolve and and uh, I know one thing Craig did too. We had he had multiple roommates to start off, right? So. Um, he, I think Craig had him work, you know, room with a couple of different type of personalities and I room with them. Uh, I don't know who else he went to, you know, to bump around a little bit just to get the feel, but he, but it also was for him the way to learn how, how guys handled the professional world, the professional life, whether you're a superstar or fourth line player, whatever it might be, what do you do? What, what are your traits? How do you handle yourself before and after games? When you're on the road, how do you handle yourself? How do you eat? How do you take care of yourself? I think that's all stuff that he was probably learning all along the way. But he was a great roommate. I mean, we roomed together for – I'm not sure how long it was that he we kept switching for a couple till he picked up Herdina, which I thought was a brilliant move by Craig because you brought in another countryman for Yager, and I think that was the start of helping him feel even more comfortable, Joe. But I think the experience of being with different players on the road – was it good? And I think I think then in, as as time went on and he grew and he made big play after big play, then he's just accepted in the locker room for what he does, and they everybody understood and knew what kind of talent he was going to grow to be. What was rooming with him like? Watch a lot of TV. I guess that's how he learned English, huh? I think he was. I think I think it was it. It was. Um, uh, I think it'd be chocolate chip cookies. There'd be you know. Maybe the odd cartoon and then regular TV as he just kind of learned it. But that's honestly, it was a, and like any other 18 year old kid, that's what he was like. But he was a great, he was a good, a great, a great kid. You know what I mean? So I had no, I, I enjoyed the time with it and what it meant. Uh, uh, you know, I think if you're looking at, you never really at the time realized what it what it means. But you're trying to help him grow as a as a person in the U.S. And, and as I said, I think he was taking in how guys handled what they did. I think that was the role of the person who was rooming with them early on. And there was, I said, a multi, I don't know who the other two guys were with me before they got her, Dina, but that was just something that you took pride. You made sure you got them, understood the timeline, the timing of making sure you got a bus, you're going to be on the bus, you're going to be here, you're going to be there, you got team dinners, all that kind of thing. Learn how, it's, how you handle that. 
and make sure you're always on time. That's one thing you could never do is be late. Just could never be it. And I don't know anybody, very few guys were ever late. You just didn't want to be that guy. So you had to learn all those kind of things. And I think, and as I said, I think he was like a sponge soaking up how did Mario handle himself? How did Joey Mullen handle himself? Brian Trottier, uh, you know, he knew the history of the game and what it was, what it meant and what it was all about. So I think that's what that kind of role would have been, Joe, early when he first got here. And I think when he went to Vail, I mean, it's tough. I mean, he was, he was going like anybody else who's probably going through a little homesickness and, you know, and I think that's why I said our locker room was a friendly, was a friendly locker room. It wasn't a place like you're a rookie and they tried to, somebody tried to put him in his place or, some of the stories that you hear about guys that do that, nobody did that. They just let him, he had to grow and evolve. And I think Mario coming in from, you know, learning a language too, he, he knows what that was about, but, but he also had to do your thing. You know, he came to work, he did his job, and then he just only grew as a player. Jay Caulfield on the fan hotline. Presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing, heating, and air conditioning provider for over 50 years. Um, Jay, it seemed like, yeah. obviously it was a few years before Yager started to put up the big numbers and, you know, yeah. win all kinds of awards. But it, it might be fair to wonder if you guys win that first cup without him, right? Or, or um, I remember the goal against the Blackhawks, for example, those cups that yeah. you guys won. Uh, that's when he really, truly announced himself, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that goal against the Blackhawks show. I, I think that one too. Obviously, everything. And I mentioned Rick Keo because it was a guy. You know, your assistant coaches are so important. Bob Johnson's going to do what he does, and it was. A, by the way, I also think that was a very good thing too. That Bob Johnson as his first coach. I didn't mean to jump off your topic, but I will say that Bob Johnson was a happy, every day in the arena kind of guy, which we all know that, right? We all know that. That was a great first coach, I think, for Yager to have because the second year you went to Scotty Bowman. And that is, that is completely different. So if you're a young man, maybe struggling um, on numerous things, away from home, blah, 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 uh, Scotty Bowman, that's a little more difficult because he doesn't have much time. You know, he, there's not much time. There's a, I don't want to say warmth versus cold, but that's kind of what it's like. And as a player, you got to learn. That, that's something you'll learn over time, too. Even any player who's been around the league, so I think Bob Johnson was big in that growth as well. And I do think that goal against the Blackhawks, which is the next year, I, I do think that is something spectacular, which the whole world knew. And I think that the whole world knew what it was going to, what it was going to be like. And, you know, you know, the fans in Philly, they just hated it even more that there was another superstar coming into a Penguin lineup. And uh, when you saw him do those kind of things, it was, it was outstanding. And Craig was, Again, Craig was so high on him in the first place, and it took a lot to get him here, and he, and he accomplished it, got it done, and, and then Yager obviously you know, paid dividends for it and just went on and on. The Jay Caulfield Show is brought to you by McVeigh Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. So, Jay, I know I've asked you this a couple times, but now that we're in the week of the Yager ceremony, do you have any word on whether Mario will be here for sure? <laughs> I still think... Not for sure, but I, I would find it. I'm, I'm still going to say, like what I said last week, I truly believe that he's not going not gonna to be not part of this, this whole event and what it means. Uh, that's, that's, what I, that's what I believe. I believe, I believe it's going to be something that he would not miss this. And, um, 
and he knows he knows I, he knows when he needs to be places and when he doesn't. And I I I would expect them to be there. I'd be if he's not, I'll be shocked, Joe. I mean, I'll talk to you next week and go. I I was wrong, but <laughs> I do think he understands and what Yager meant, yeah. and uh, what it would mean to Yager for him to be there. That's that's the one thing. That's it, it's going to mean a lot for Yager to see Mario, and I believe that's what we'll see. Man, that place is just going to go crazy. Let's hope they start going crazy more for the actual games, Jay, as we come up to date with yeah. these Penguins. How do you feel about the Penguins right now? Well, I still I still said, what I think now what, the Penguins are seven points out of third place? Is mm-hmm. that, yeah. I think it's something like that in their nine. Or is it nine? And seven and nine. Nine out of either the second wild card, something like that, right, if I'm correct? Yes. Um I still feel they just have to get – I mean, obviously we've been saying this for week after week, Joe, but I do believe it's – can Philly – listen, Philly plays the game hard each and every night. John Tortorella is the perfect coach for them because he gets these guys to work hard each and every night. Are they going to continue to stay on a run? That's the question mark. Is Jersey – Jersey the teams that you maybe are fighting for these spots I think can come back with the Penguins still have to take care of their own business and get on a run. And, if, and, and at times, when you see the game the other night against Winnipeg, you know, to give up odd-man break after odd-man break in the first 20 minutes, that's something Mike Sullivan never guaranteed didn't expect to see that. They haven't played that way. We haven't seen those kind of breakdowns, you know, or mental mistakes, whatever it is, or being over-aggressive and have it go the other way on you. That was kind of – they chased the game after that point. That's the kind of game you can't see. Because when they're doing that, and it, it just went against them. They were two tough losses to have without picking anything up, and um, that's a problem. But if you see games like that, then it's not going to go, then it won't be in the right direction. But I think they can take care of themselves and get ahead and figure out what, what they're what, – what, what are they tr- – still trying to find the right combinations line-wise, right? I mean, that's something that's, that's difficult. Riley Smith scores, you've got to have the second line going. And me, whether it be Raquel or, or, or Pugliarvi – I mean, Raquel's here to be – you know, we're coming up in a trade deadline too, so decisions are going to be made, what's going to happen here. And if they're still on the downside, uh, you know, I, Kyle Dubas, I'm sure, will be making some type of move uh, to right this ship. That's, that's what I feel. Do you feel like that move would involve Jake Gensel? Well, you don't want to lose – there's a couple of things with that, as we said before. You don't want to lose a guy if, – if you, if you don't have him signed – and you go in the off, then he's a free. I mean, you can't lose him. So, and if they can't come to terms um, on what he wants, then then it's you're almost forced to have to do that. Obviously, you don't. They, that kind of thing isn't around. The forty goal score uh, isn't. They joke, you know, saying they don't grow on cheese. Well, it's true. You can't find that many, but you can't have them again. The demands. What are they going to be? I mean, you saw. I, I think uh, Nylander a couple weeks ago. He almost set the bar for what Gensel, Gensel can look at that and go, well, $11.5 million up in Toronto for Nylander and, uh, and the term. And obviously, I think a year or two older than Nylander, so they can work on that. But the number's got to be right for Jake Gensel because if you look at it, this is his last deal. As a, if you talk about it individually, it's his last run a shot at a big deal. So, I mean, every, you, you have to be smart as a, as a, as a player, too, and – but he, he certainly, I guarantee, he certainly only wants to play with Sidney Crosby. So I think that's such a, a big thing. But they have to come to the right term. And if they come up to a number, then hopefully that's not. Hopefully the, that that we don't hear anything. They get him to sign, or they're going to get him signed to a deal. 
that works for both parties. And, um, and hopefully that's what they can get done, Joe. Because I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to see that. But certainly, it's a player like that that brings in should bring in something significant. But you can't, it's hard to build when you give up a guy that does that, and you're trying to build around. It. So hopefully they can get him signed. I think you got to see what I think Riley Smith, Raquel, these players. I, I hope for themselves and the Penguins that they get themselves on a little bit of a role on a roll here, and uh, and can settle down the lineup. Because when you're seeing Drew O'Connor be up on the on his first or second line, and and doing everything he can, he's improved as a player each and every night he gets to play. But you know that's he's third, fourth line, he's third line. It makes them better when he's in that role. If he's up top, and he and again he's done an admirable job on all that. But it, I'm not sure that's is that where this lineup is at its best when he's in that role. That you should he should solidify the third line and Raquel and Smith are the guys that are supposed to fill the top six. And if it's, and that's what they got to find out. They got to find out what they have. And Mike Sullivan guaranteed that's how he's looking at it from just that, that perspective, Joe. And it's again, whoever's going to produce is what's going to be in the lineup. And that goes all the way right through one through four, first line down to the fourth line. You know, you're in the lineup and you have to, in this day and age, four lines have to have to produce. And when they're not getting it, that pressure falls on Crosby, Gensel, and Rust, and they've been so strong coming through each and every night. You just need help, and you can't. And that's why if they don't get that, then they're not going to get into the playoffs. But I believe they're going to. I believe they're going to find the right combinations, and hope they find themselves in it. But it's tough. You put you put yourself behind the eight ball, uh, going towards the trade deadline, and it's uh, they're going to have to get themselves on a really really good run coming up here, Joe. Jay, what would you think of the hit by Morgan Riley the other night uh, after the slap shot goal on an empty net? Is that where is that worthy of a suspension? I don't think it. I think that's – listen, I, I'm going to come across as like – I think what the player did, I think I think what Riley did was perfect. Or, or some, some, some type of response. A guy going down and doing that, I mean, they should learn. They, they have to learn the hard way. If you're going to do that – I don't mind what Morgan Riley did. And I would expect the Penguin player, if that happened against the Pittsburgh Penguins, I would expect the Penguin player to go do the same thing. And if you don't, if you don't do that, then you're going to get walked over on all the time. And young players, I don't care if they're young, talented. You know, look, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't a, I love, I like what Morgan Riley did. And I know a lot of people won't, but I like it. And I like it. If I was the, if it was the Penguins, as I said, if somebody, if he did that against the Pittsburgh Penguins, I would expect somebody, and I guarantee you, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, or Chris Letang, just those three players alone, if one of them was on the ice, they would have went after the guy the same way. Now, am I saying cross-check him in the head? No, I'm not, I don't mean that. I think it got up high and maybe rode the shoulder and into the head or neck. But I do think a player does that, disrespectful. He's, he's stepping on you. It's, he's stepping on your logo. Whatever you want to say, that's what the, the game is built on emotion. So somebody's doing that and there was no response, I would have, I would think the Leafs would be an easy cakewalk if they didn't respond the rest of the year because that would be embarrassing that they didn't do anything. Especially, it's still the game of hockey. I, I'm telling you, it's, I know a lot of things have changed, but some things shouldn't. And that, what that kid did, and hey, I don't, I don't care that he did it. I, I, he did it, then he's, he's disrespecting Toronto. And then that, they, that Morgan Riley responded, go ahead. But six, they get a phone in. I don't know. I, I also find that, the, the, you know, the disciplinary department in NHL, no, no wonder there's problems because they never know what's going to happen. If he gets more than five games, 
and there's other stuff that's going on in the league that's less than I believe me. I I don't know what's I I'm, I'm not a fan of how they handle a lot of things in that depart in the department that comes across. And I bet if you pulled the players, they tell you the same thing, Joe. It's kind of it'd be wacky if he if he got a big number for this. And I think he I think when you have an in person hearing. I've been through that. I know what the, an in-person hearing means a certain number right off the bat. So I agree I with agree you. With I agree with you 100%. I just argued with Pompiani about this yesterday. He wants to give the guy 10 games. I said, I wish somebody on the Penguins would do that. And, and you might be right that one yeah. of their stars would do it. So I guess I'll amend my statement. I wish somebody other than a star would do stuff like that for the yeah. Penguins. You know? Uh, and, and, no, and I don't. I, yeah. I said maybe one game, but, but I'm with you. None. Bob wanted 10. Can you call him up and rip him? <laughs> well, well Bob, Bob's probably coming from the angle of stuff that they're trying to have out of the game. He's probably coming from just a different side. But I, I again, I again will say, if that happened to the Penguins and they didn't do something like that, and you and I were talking after that and they're fighting for a playoff spot, I'd tell you they're done. That's what I would say to you. If you asked me that and it was a Penguin game and they didn't respond, that means they've got no life. They don't care. And that's how I would view it. And if I was a player that was on the bench or if I was a player and I'm out there, let's say I'm out there and I don't do anything. I'm gone. Okay. In my world and the timing of when I played, if I didn't do anything, I would be gone. And if the five guys are on the ice that didn't do anything, you go in the locker room after that happened and you didn't do a thing. That's the locker room you don't want to be in. That's the locker room you wouldn't want to be in. And I like I, that. Again, well phrased. You know, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. You would not want to be in that locker room. Yep. So, and again, there's going to be people that hate on that and this, but then it's no different than somebody stomping, you know, you're with your wife and somebody bumps her and knocks her out of the way on purpose and you don't do a thing. That's exactly what it, it's kind of like that, right? I mean, you can pick anything scenario. He totally disrespected the Toronto Maple Leafs by doing that. And, and I'm not going to get into codes and what it is and blo- that, that's whatever. That whole thing has changed. The code there's there's hardly any code anymore, if you ask me. But but again, that's my that's my opinion of it. I love that. So if you have time, call Bob and rip him if you would. And we'll see you Sunday. <laughs> I, I, you got it. You got it, Joe. All right. Thank you, Jay. Talk to you later. Bye bye. I knew I was right about that, Sean. Bob wanted 10 games for this. It's not like it's not like he was Marty McSorley swinging his stick with a baseball swing at a guy's head. A guy just, I, I don't even need to say anything. Did you hear that? I did. So I actually just looked it up now because I had heard about it, but I didn't see the play. So yeah. I, I'm sort of in between. I agree that, you know, go over, shove the guy push him, whatever. I think the fact that it looked like it came up pretty high, and I didn't see an instant replay. Yeah, but... it comes up pretty high from time to time. You can't help it. I don't think he gave him a concussion or anything, did he? Or did I, he? I don't know. I saw the guy went down. But, yeah, I would say, you know, a regular check, something like that, a shove, that that happens all the time. I think the issue is that it, it seemingly did come up pretty high in the face area. So, to Good. me, that's something Good. that at any point in hockey that, that shouldn't be happening. Uh, regardless of whether it's after a goal or in gameplay, they, they, um, they give each other, uh, you know, rub the glove in somebody's right, that's, face that's all the, the time. Other I saw Sidney Crosby when he had a bet when he had the uh, the the jaw injury the year against the Bruins. Zdeno Chara targeted him in those playoffs and was cross checking him in the jaw. 
Literally. Yeah, there's like that crap barbarian happens. aspects to hockey that goes unpunished all the time. Yeah. So that, that that's kind of the the weird part of it is those things go a lot of the times if it's I guess part of yeah, the gameplay. And, and I think this should. This was and it wasn't blindside. The guy saw him coming. Bob wanted to compare it to the Pierre Turgeon hit by Dale Hunter all those years ago. And to me, that was a sneak attack. I mean, I'm going to have to look at that. I'm going to look at that again right now. It was Pierre Turgeon. This is why he missed most of the Penguins Islanders series that year. Um, scored an empty net goal. I don't think he did anything wrong on the empty net goal, if I remember. Like, it wasn't showboating. You know, it, was a re- it wasn't even an empty net goal. It was a regular goal. I'm looking at it right now. He's looking at the crowd and celebrating with a little fist pump is all he did. And Dale Hunter came up behind him, total blindside, savage, savage hit. It's not even, it, it reminds you of it because it's a guy who just scored a goal who got hit. But that's where the that's where the comparisons end. Yeah, I remember Dale Hunter being quite a villain back in the nineties for a long, long time. This was this was a sickening hit. Aimed directly at the head. I'm watching it right now. But the Morgan Riley thing. This was some jackass just wound up and took a slap shot in our empty net. I'm going to go tell him what's up. Was there any backstory to why that happened? I don't was know. There, yeah, I, I don't I know. didn't hear anything about what potentially preceded that. I don't know, but I agree with Jay. I agree a thousand percent with Jay. With every syllable, half syllable, and quarter syllable, he just said. And now I'm sad Ron isn't here again. I've had fits of weeping during this week, Sean. Because things remind me of Ron. And I noticed you crying when you came in. Yes, very tearful. Yes, indeed. I, I normally would walk in and I would see Ron sitting there every morning waiting for me. Big smile on his face, ear to ear. By the way, somebody suggested that in honor of Ron's new home in Fort Myers, that you should be called Fort from now on. Plus, Sean Don't Call Me Seth Myers is a little bit cumbersome as a nickname. Do you remember you called me DC for one show? What did that stand for? Don't call. <laughs> don't call what? Oh, don't call me. Yes, yeah. that was your DC. idea for one show. That didn't really stick. No. How about Fort? No, because is you Michael also... McHenry going to take? No. Okay. No. I don't think so. He's not going to take Umbridge. By the way, do you have his number? Let's get him on the air. He's really good. Right now? No. <laughs> but when Spring training, uh, they report tomorrow, I Let's think, Let's get Mike, Mike McHenry on the line. That's a great idea, Fort. You're welcome. Plus, you're very comforting. You're very solid. You're a very conscientious producer. You are like a fort. You're you're something people can depend on. Reinforced, yeah. Yes. Fort Myers. This is unbelievable. Sean Gentilly, who's going to come on with me at one, is the one who suggested this. I like it. I really do. That's because he doesn't like another Sean, probably. He just wanted to differentiate. Maybe. But I appreciate all you do for me, Fort. I'm trying it on. Yeah, I don't like it so far. Honestly. Now that I've said it in a sentence. Coming up, uh, in honor of Mitch Trubisky, the worst free agent signings in Steelers history. Why don't we go over that for a moment? Yes, we shall. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, personal injury law firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. How about Jay? That was passionate stuff, was it not, Fort? Yes, very much. And then he said uh, about the locker room afterwards. That also seemed to to resonate. I don't know if I don't know if somebody on the Penguins does avenge that. That's part of the problem around here, is it not? 
Would you agree with that? Got to bring back Christoph Oliwa, I suppose. Steve McKenna. I mean, even Patrick Hornquist or, or Chris Kunitz, people who make other people pay when you do crap like that or when you go after your star players. How about going after their star players? How about making life miserable on them? How about slamming into their goalie and making life miserable on him? How about delivering a, you know, a, a body-breaking clean check how about doing something that makes the other team extremely uncomfortable and really pissed off? How about doing that once or twice a game? Huh? Fourth? Sounds, I know that's something that I think Jane in particular has been kind of passionate about for a few seasons now is that it shouldn't have to be the stars that ultimately stick up for themselves for the Penguins. Right, and it was interesting that the guys that sprang to mind for him as someone that would do something about it were Sid, Gino, and uh, Latang. And the only guy who got back at the jackass who hit Sid in the head a few years ago, whose name I forget now. Who was it? Who's the headhunter for the Rangers? It doesn't Truba? matter. Yes. The only guy who had the you-know-whats to go back at him, and it took till the next season, was Gino. That's a problem. And Jay, at least last year, agreed wholeheartedly. So did Bob Airy, two guys who played the game. And I can't find the good steep. Good feet store, Reed. And I'm buying time for that. But time has run out. I'm going to tell you all about the Good Feet store, however, coming up. So please stay tuned. Sean? With your fan headlines, this is Sean Myers. We just talked about the Penguins. They'll be back in action tomorrow as they host the Florida Panthers. 7.30 puck drop. That game will be broadcast on TNT. The Penguins hoping to avoid a third consecutive loss. Meanwhile, tonight, Pitt men's basketball takes the court on the road. The Panthers, who are 6-6 six and six in the ACC, will play at number 21, Virginia. The Cavaliers are 10-3 and three on the campaign. That is a 7 o'clock tip. Pre-game starts at 6.30. You can hear that right here on 93.7 The Fan. And yesterday, the Steelers released three players, quarterback Mitch Trubisky, offensive tackle Chooks, a core four, and punter Presley Harvin. Fan headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more. You can check out 937thefan.com. Joe? Mentioned the Good Feet store, and that means I'm going to tell you what it was like to be in my feet, so to speak, for many years. Wasn't pleasant. Joints of the big toes. Lots of pain. Sort of made me retire from my pickup basketball career. That combined with a torn Achilles uh, in a game against Andrew Filipponi in best of three in which I was leading one nothing and ahead 20-17 to 17 in game two, and the game was up to 21, so clearly was going to sweep him, but that's beside the point. Uh, when you want to do things like that over the weekend, weekend warrior-type stuff, play a little golf where you're probably walking a lot, even if you're in a cart, having foot pain can be very discouraging is the word. Maybe you want to lose some weight and get out on the weekend, start some sort of program, and you can't because your feet hurt. That's where the Good Feet Store comes in, a pain relief solution that worked for me and can work for you. It's the arch support system. A customized arch support system is where it begins, designed to provide pain relief, balance, and comfort. You use your own, whatever shoes you already got, they will adapt to and make it very simple for you. I went to the store at Robinson Town Center across from Ikea. There's also one in Cranberry Township. Route 19 North next to Walgreens. You can check it all out at goodfeet.com. 
This was very, very good for me. I can tell you that at the Good Feet store, and it could be good for you. Come on in. Try the Good Feet feeling today. Comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief at the Good Feet store. Sean Gentilly of The Athletic going to join me. Top of the hour to talk a little bit of Super Bowl. He's very uh, culturally fluent, I would say. So we're going to talk some Super Bowl commercials and such. I'm now having a stomach problem for it, which could cause you to do the interview with Sean if things keep uh, trending in this direction. Sean and Sean. It might be. I don't know what happened. I just went for a walk and something bad happened. You know Did you how see Molsey? So, Is that sometimes that happens? See Mulsey, yes. One minute you're having a nice day, the next minute you're having more blowouts than the 1960 World Series, right? Happens to the best of us. Yep. Happened to Ron a couple times, as I recall. Very sad. 50 minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township. Celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's Card of the Week. From the Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry Contest run every Wednesday through Friday at noon at the 937thefan.com contesting page. So, yeah, I got asked in the mailbag today over at the Post-Gazette about, uh, of course, Mitch Trubisky and the worst free agent signings in Steelers history. In fact, the questioner there was one Donald Football who weighs in every week on the mailbag. Isn't that nice of him, Sean? That is very nice. Have you ever weighed in on the mailbag? No, but maybe I will now that you mention it. I think you should. Should I call myself Fort? They changed the headline. I had how bad was the Steeler how bad were the Steelers 2018-19 drafts? They changed it to sifting through the Steelers many disasters, <laughs> which is actually better. It's one of the rare cases where I like their headline better. Um so let's go to Horrendous free agent signings. I would put Trubisky somewhere in the top 10, but not in the top five. I mean, he actually had some very good moments here. Not many. Not many. It's the Trubisky train. And it ended with like that, with many bad moments. Uh, Guys like Todd Peterson. Sean Mahan wasn't exactly a sterling uh, free agent signing. Mitch was 2-5 and five with 8 touchdowns and 10 picks. In, in honor of him, do you have the pomp call from the preseason again with uh, Mitch rolling left, I believe, and throwing right to Gunner in a preseason game, Sean? So it's 1st and 10 now for the Steelers as they go deep in Seattle territory. Trubisky again, this time more time, rolling to his left. He can do that, fires into the end zone. Touchdown! The Gunner is in. Gunner Oshesky with a touchdown. He's been impressive and can be. Continues tonight, and Mitch Trubisky takes him right down the field. Oh, is that beautiful from KDKA, the Gunner. And I love how Bob drops in during the play. He can do that. Trubisky can roll left and get things done. He just hardly ever did. Uh, my worst five, Melvin Ingram, fifth. He quit. I know he had a really good game in Buffalo, but once you quit in the middle of a season, that sort of drops you on the list. Four, LeGarrette Blunt. Well, he quit, too, in the middle of a game. Uh, unlike Ingram, who faked an injury to get out of here, Blunt actually quit while a game was still happening. 
Ladarius Green might as well have quit, right? He came here, uh, I believe, with concussion issues that they didn't vet properly. And then he left with issues. Jacoby Jones, which might have been the most ridiculous decision of Mike Tomlin's entire tenure, was so far beyond washed up by the time he got here. It was just painful to witness. And then Dante Moncrief. I have him as the worst free agent signing. He had more drops than catches, which when you think about it, is hard to do. All right. Top of the hour, Sean Gentili, Fan Weather, brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks, a mix of clouds and sun today, and a high of 44. We're going to get to all of that and probably back definitely to some Super Bowl stuff. I want to get Sean's, uh, Sean Gentili's uh, feelings about Yager getting the jersey retired on Sunday as well. 50 minute mark on the fan, brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge, Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Fan Hotline, presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Twitter, brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. And the old text line, brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say, there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Let's go out to that hotline and talk to our friend, Sean, don't call me Seth Gentilly, from, from The Athletic. Sean, let's talk about Post Malone. Uh, Bob Pompiani was disappointed in Post Malone. He said he wanted more. I thought he was incredible. I thought he looked like Ryan Malone with silver teeth. I thought he was great. Does Ryan Malone have face tats now? I don't know. He had a lot of tattoos. They were were on his body, not his face. I know. I know. What's your point here? Did you like it or not? Everyone loves loves Posty. He's a... He's a fun guy. I feel like he was probably on on the track to performing at the twenty forty six halftime show if you, if it, if you can make it that long. Did you like the halftime show? I'm thirty eight years old, so Usher's been in Usher's been a part of my life since I was you know in fifth grade. So yeah, I I loved it. That guy was the soundtrack to every middle school and junior high and high school dance I I went to. So like, what am I? I mean, there's something there's something to be said for that. How about you didn't Ludacris? Even give me a chance. Hold, hold on oh, a second. What? Go you ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you didn't even get a, get a ch- give me a chance to say that I am calling you live from Buffalo, New York. Whoa. What are you doing there? None of your business. <laughs> we once spent time in Buffalo when the Mulsey and Joe show was live no. from Buffalo. That was fantastic. I was trying to remember the route to Mr. and Mrs. Starkey's house because we we had a we had a lovely dinner there and. That was great. Yeah, was, yes, you met Big and Evie. I'm going to try to replicate that. Yeah, they were, they were wonderful. We had wings. We had, we had like 100 wings from Duff's, I think. Yes, we did, and Bocce's Pizza. That was a time to remember. You and Mulsey were in my house. It was – I was glad to just be a fly on the wall for the interaction between between Chris and your folks and some of the other family members. It was It was delightful. I might have to abruptly leave this interview because I'm having stomach problems, in which case you and uh, your namesake, 
uh, Sean Myers could talk. Okay, Sean? I know. I was listening on the app on the way in here just to see what you were up to, and I was wondering if that was something that you, like, maybe addressed during a break or if, if, if we were still freezing for disaster there. Yeah, I'm, I'm skirting on the edge of disaster here. But we're gonna we're gonna fight through. We're gonna pl- try to play through it. But it might wind up being a Sean and Sean interview. Let's see. <laughs> let's see where this goes. Um, what else did I want to ask you? Post Malone, um, Ludacris, Alicia Keys. I thought they were pretty good. Did you like Ludacris? I love Ludacris. That was his first his first record. Word of mouth was one that I had to. Uh, Buy under the radar and like hide from my mom when I was when I was like twelve or thirteen. It, it's funny, like I've aged into the demographic where, like the Super Bowl halftime show panders to me now. It's all these it's all these it's all these acts from twenty twenty five years ago that kind of hit their peak, and I'm just like, yeah, this is great. Give me give me more of it. Cater, cater to me, please. Were you concerned at the beginning of the show when a man was shot out of a cannon? I kind of, I, I actually sort of missed, I, I don't, I'm not totally sure what you're talking about. I, I missed that part of it. I was actually at the Mueller household. Oh. In, in, in Korea, was the game. I went over and watched, I went, I went over and watched it at Chris's house. So I, I think I, I think I might've been, I think I might've been, uh, you know, in the, ba- taking a bathroom break of my own at that point. Mueller's head I, was I, in I the way. Miss, I missed that guy. Yeah. Or Mueller's head was in the way as Fort said here. I guess it's in the way a lot, right? Does it take up the whole living room? What is it? What is it not? Like (laughs) when something's in the way that consistently, it just like, it's like part of the furniture. It's like you have the TV and the couch and then Mueller's head. It's the size of the the New Year's Eve ball at Times Square. Fort, did you (laughs) see the guy pop out of the cannon? No, but I heard Josh Roundtree talking about it. I thought he said it was a Cirque du Soleil thing. I thought we were going to see a horrific injury. I mean, it was jarring. To see, I didn't expect that at the beginning of the show. Uh, now that Ron is gone, Sean, you can mm-hmm. come on more often. He didn't like you. Um, I know. I, I was. I've, I was going to say. I'm. It's. It's. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that. Yeah, <laughs> Ron, Ron for the first that, time in eight that. years. <laughs> and that every time Ron's not here, you're on. Uh, yeah, that was just coincidental yeah, over the years. Yeah, that's a that's a fact that hasn't hasn't been hasn't been lost on me, but I mean, whatever I, you did. A, I, I listened to the show a lot, honestly, in, in the run up to Ron's exit and you, you did a great job. It was, it was great radio and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for him. He, he went out on his own terms and gets to, you know, drink beer on his couch in, in Florida. What's, what's not to love about that? Nothing is what's not to love about that. He's having the time of his life. And I don't know that he didn't like you. I just, uh, I got funny feelings when I, certain people. I don't think he really had on. any, I don't think he had any opinion on, like we worked together at the yeah. that for several years. And I, I don't think he had any real opinion on me. I, I, I think I was just maybe like low neutral in his eyes. <laughs> I don't know for sure that he didn't like me, but, but I, I, I am, I, I can definitely say that he didn't, that he I don't think he disliked me, but I'm also pretty sure he didn't. He didn't particularly like me either. It was somewhere somewhere in the middle ground. In middle ground, yes. I didn't see this story today in the trib. I don't know how I missed it because I would have been all over it. Uh, Ryan Dito or Dedo, I don't know him, mm-hmm. but, but it's a good yep. story. Can Pittsburgh host a pro basketball team? Sports Authority no. to pay up to ninety grand to find out whether Pittsburgh can host an NBA or WNBA franchise. Can they? Can we? 
can they just give us that 90 grand, like me and you, and then we can spend it because they're throwing it down a hole? Like the answer, the answer is no, it's not possible. The corporate base isn't, isn't there and nobody who would want to own a team in Pittsburgh exists. It's a no. <laughs> like I, I, I would love it. I'd be, I'd be as happy as it gets. Right. Like, cause me and you are, you know, both huge hoops fans. Yes. I'd be psyched. It, it ain't, it ain't happening. Because you said the the corporate base isn't big enough to support th- the corporate, four pro the teams. Corporate base, the corporate base is small. There aren't enough people that live here in general, and there's no history of supporting professional basketball or really basketball at all consistently outside of, you know, Pete Holland and Dixon at the Pete. It's not happening. It's a waste of money. I wish it weren't true, but it is. Nice. Like, we need, to, we, need, we need to make sure that we can support a hockey team that doesn't have one of the five best players of all time on it. Like I, I would, I would like, I would like to see how things are going, what attendance looks like at Penguins games whenever they're in their fourth straight year of missing the playoffs and Crosby and whoever else aren't around. I know, but just imagine, imagine, I don't know, are there any NBA teams in trouble or would this be an expansion team? Let's just say for argument's sake, the Atlanta Hawks came here and this week, we we're going to watch Trey Young go against, let's see who's coming to town for them, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers who have won 17 or 8 of 18, and then Zion. And then Zion. Yeah. I mean, it would be unbelievable. I, it, I, I, let me ask you this. Aside from corporate support and the other thing you mentioned that I've already forgotten, would people show up to watch the team if they were good? I think Pittsburgh loves a winner. Yeah, but you don't always get a winner. We don't know that, that hockey fans support a crappy hockey team. They don't, alone... and they don't support a crappy baseball team. So what's the difference if we had a crappy NBA team? They wouldn't support that either. Why would anybody sign up for that willingly? Like, they're, like the hockey team's here, the baseball team's here, and NBA, the NBA, whatever they're trying to expand or Well, we whatever. can prove they that never, we can't support never... three teams at once. <laughs> like, I mean, well, I... I heard you talking earlier about Pitt UVA, like right, like I'm I'm so psyched to watch a relevant basketball game yes. today that like it's 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 you know appointment viewing for me. Don't shoot the messenger, but it's I not know. happening, and I don't I don't think I don't think I don't think people particularly care about it. What about the WNBA? I love the WNBA. So do I. That might be more realistic. I don't know. Actual and. It's hard to get actual NBA fans supporting supporting the WNBA. Right. It would it would it's not it's not going to happen. Forget now, it. You, you forget know, I ever you know, brought it up. Hold on, you, you know you know we can talk about maybe more realistically in in that in that realm is uh, a professional women's hockey league team. There, that's being discussed too. I would love that as well. I would go watch it, that. Sir, it certainly is. I would go watch that in a second. Social media's biggest loser, Malsey, brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Reserve your consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Sean Gentilly on the Sullivan Super Service fan hotline. Depressing me to no end, but being very realistic. <laughs> I get that. He's being very realistic. What else was I going to ask you, and why do I keep forgetting, and why didn't I write these things down, Sean? Oh, <clears throat> Yager. I say yeah. the name Yarmir Yager. What springs to mind for you? Uh, I think he was probably my favorite athlete from the time I was 
six until the time I was 14. Like mm-hmm. that guy, I think there's like, he, he doesn't get forgotten, right? He's, he's, he's an all timer and his jersey's getting retired and all that. But I feel like there's, there's like a Lemieux generation and then there's a Crosby generation. And then for a bunch of people born in like the mid eighties or, or, or late eighties, like I, I came of age when Jeremy Auger was winning scoring titles and stuff. Like I was in the building as a 12 year old or whatever for the, for the big goal against, against the devils in that mm. series in, yes. in, in 1999. And that's still, I think like that if, if you give me 10 seconds to say like, what's, what's the most fun you've ever had at a sporting event in your life? I think, I think it's there. I mean, the, the dude kept the fan, the, the franchise afloat there for a couple years. And it's good to see, you know, it's good to see both sides finally come together and get the Jersey thing finished because it was, it's ridiculous that it, that it took us long, but whatever. All's all's well it ends well, and I'm just I'm I'm glad to. I'll I'll take any excuse to read, you know, Yager's stories and people telling all like, you know, hearing Jay Caulfield and Steige and and whoever talk about this guy because it because it because it makes me happy. So if, if if that's all that comes out of this is like four days of just, you know, gas the guy up like, no 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 problems here. He's 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 like one of my all time favorites. The place is going to be raucous, don't you think? Are you going Sunday? I'm not. I'm. Th- th- this is a work trip. Like I'm. I got. So mm. I. I, I got to do other stuff. But we'll have. We'll have Rob and we'll have Rob and Josh in the, in the building for the athletic. And yeah, th- those are those, those are the guys you you, you want to read anyways. I'll, I'll I'll be very happy watching it. Watching it, you know, on a couch or at a, at a bar stool somewhere. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that peace was finally made. It, it was uh, it was crazy for a while there when he went to Phil, when he went to Philly, and even after he left here, uh, it just got it got crazy with the booing, and he was miserable in Washington. I was telling Steige earlier today, Sean, that I'd forgotten at the age of 33, after it looked like yeah he's pretty much fading away, he comes back yep. with the Rangers with. 54 goals, 123 points, and he finished second in the heart. That was uh, that was the first year after the lockout. It was it was the first the first post lockout year. He was he was unbelievable, and then then he had a couple other great years for for New York, and then was insanely good in the in the KHL for for three seasons. Like I think people forget that when we you know we talk about you know him almost coming back in 2011 and. You know the offer was on the table, and he ended up taking more money from Philly. That's the way things go sometimes. But like, he was coming off an unreal streak in the KHL, where he was the best player in league for for a few years too. So like, I he's one of those guys where you wonder how if if he stuck around in North America for the duration, and if he didn't have that weird lull with the Caps, like how like, guys got one of the two or three most unbelievable statistical profiles, you know, in the history of the game. But imagine how much more he would have had if we, if we had, we'd be talking, you know, two, three, four more 90 or a hundred point seasons. Like it, it would be, it would be overwhelming. It's, it's a, for as good as he was, there's still so many like what ifs surrounding his career that it's, it's part of what makes him fun to talk about. Yeah. He's, he's, he's unreal. He should have won the heart that year. He only finished. Wait a second. Why didn't he, he win the won. heart that year? He had hundred. Uh, Thornton had hundred and twenty-five points. Yager had hundred and twenty-three. 
But Yager had 54 goals to Thornton's 29. He should have won the heart. Here's what I'll say. Thornton was uh, Thornton was unbelievable that year because they changed they changed the rule. <laughs> I mean, he did have basically, 96 assists. Yes, they basically started they started calling interference and what and, and he dragged you know Jonathan Chichu to a 50 goal season. Like Thor, Thornton was Thornton was unreal. Like you could, but you could easily argue that Yager should have won that year, and you also could easily argue that he should have won the year that the year that Chris Pronger won, which I think was 2001. So he could easily have two more. I thought Mario should have won that year. Honestly, he had seventy-six points in forty-nine games. Maybe that was maybe that was ninety-nine. I'm trying to whatever. I think it was maybe ninety-nine, two thousand. It, it was whatever year. Whatever year, Chris Pronger won won the heart. You know, Yager Yager was right there and easily. You know, easily, easily could could have won it. Now I want to go down the rabbit hole. I'm going to ask you about hockey players, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? How the how did Jose? However, you said his last name. Theodore, 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 Theodore. How did he win the heart? Pro Canadian bias. That that's ridiculous. That this guy won a heart trophy. Yeah, I mean oh. he he was he was he was great, but that that team wasn't very good. And I think we were still at a point there where, you know, probably was probably were a ton of Canadian voters on the books for the for the PHWA at that point, and, and they're biased. They. They don't like they don't like seeing American teams succeed, and, and they're and they're always gonna they're always gonna give the benefit of the doubt to Canadian teams. Say something quick players. when I mention a hockey player's name as I mindlessly look through old awards voting. Michael Pekka. Yeah. Great hair. Roman Chekmanic. Oh my God! Just like uh, one of the revolving door of Flyers goalies in the in the, in, in the nineties. You got, you got <laughs> he finished fourth the, in the heart. Here's yeah, the year he that you're talking about. Here's the year. It was two. Th- you're right. It was 2000, 2001. And uh, wait a second here. What year did Pronger win it? Here I can't it remember. I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying. You, it, it, whatever. It, I can't remember whether it was 99, 2000, or 2000, 2001. You're exactly right. Pronger won it, and Yager finished second. And Yager had 96 points to Pronger's. I realize he was a defenseman, had 62 points. Ah, oh, this Pronger, is Pronger. I, I I love I love Chris Pronger. I love talking to Chris Pronger. Like I, like I've I've had some fun conversations with him. Like since he's <laughs> since he's retired for work. Like I so I'm not gonna sit here and flag Chris Pronger. But like I don't I don't know, man. Flip a flip a coin there. The the point is the point is that Yager could easily have one and probably could have two more two more hearts. Thank you, Sean. Goodbye, Joe. Sean Gentilly of the Athletic from Buffalo. <laughs> that came to an abrupt ending because I didn't feel like anybody wanted to hear us go further down the rabbit hole of awards voting in NHL history. I don't know. Was Henrik Sedin? A worthy winner over Sid and Ovechkin the one year. Was he? Was he really? See, I put more emphasis on goals, Fort, than I do on assists. I just do. Yeah, that's 100% accurate there. They should not. I mean, in, in, in soccer, for instance, a goal counts twice as much as an assist. So it's kind of weird in hockey. It's a one-to-one ratio. Henrik Sedin won the heart in 2009-10 with 112 points, but he only had 29 goals. Ovechkin and Crosby finished three points behind him, and they each had 50. What are we doing here? Shouldn't Listen, 
if somebody like a, a Thornton gets 96 assists, I guess I get it because that's outrageous. But you have to win by a lot if you're going to get the Hart Trophy over a guy who has almost twice as many goals. Goals should be the tiebreaker. Absolutely. And, of course, Mario got ripped off worse than anybody all those years ago when he outscored Gretzky in points and goals by a, a million, right? I was looking, however, at Chris Pronger. It looked like he was plus 52 that season, which is absurd. This might have been the greatest ripoff in any award in sports history. It was 88-89 when Mario had 85 goals and 199 points. Gretzky had 54 goals, which by my calculations is 31 less. And also 31 less points. They should go back and redo that. It was so outrageous. What a what a joke that is, right? Sean? Uh, yeah, I, I was... You talk about, and I can't even say Mario's from Canada too. I guess that was a pro-Gretzky bias. 40, 40 first place votes to 18 for the guy who had 31 less goals and 31 less points. Are you kidding me? I, I, I don't understand it. And Lemieux, 199, that's fifth most ever. In a single season in NHL history, Gretzky has the top four. But, yeah, you get to 200 points or thereabout, that's an automatic MVP. No matter what Gretzky did that year, he couldn't top that. Dominic Hasek won it twice in a row, the Hart Trophy. And, yeah, in that case, a goalie deserved it, A, because he was from Buffalo, and, B, because he was ridiculously phenomenal. I think, I think at the height of his powers, he's the greatest goalie I've ever seen. Hashtag. And they really didn't have a great team and, and made it suck. to the Stanley Cup Finals with him. Yes. Darn Brett Hall. Taylor Hall wins wins the Hart Trophy. What an embarrassment that was to the whole league. A guy with 93 points when you had guys, you had Connor McDavid with 108. What are they doing, Sean? And why do I care so much? Joe, I might have something that could cheer you up a little bit. What do you got? Yeah, baby. Matt Cole, Folsey, has chimed in, and he told me the secret on how to access some texts. So we will have it from now until the rest of time. Then why don't we do a segment next of Text in the City? So that means you all have to check in on the text line. Any observations you have? One of the segments that I absolutely love on our station is the hodgepodge of nothingness that the PM guys do. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Good good segment. It's the best segment. Might be the best segment of all right now. Better than That's Right, I Said It? Better than the Wheel of Ball. What is That's Right, I Said It? That's what the morning show guys do. See, I'm in and out. I, I hear like an hour of the morning show, but I'm drive, but I'm uh, after I drive. It's my always at the very end, home. so you're you're already in the building usually at that point. That's right, I said it. Stephen A. Smith, yeah. Um, so here's a chance for you to get involved. Text me on Mitch Trubisky, Chuksakorafor, Hart Trophy votes, Post Malone, everything we've talked about today, Yarmir Yager. This is your chance to get involved. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. It's 126. Time to stop blindly paying those increasing auto and home insurance premiums. Contact the Buell Insurance Agency and Gibsonian. See what they can do for you. Text in the city coming up next. I want this to work as we move ahead. We may even do this once a week. We might do it. Three times a week, if it really takes off, Sean. Wouldn't that be exciting? 
that would be incredible. I was going to say your word there, but I don't want to yeah. infringe on we your don't copyright. Overdo it there. Um, so let's do that. We'll go over some particularly entertaining text next. But first, I want to tell you about Gina G and Petro. The agent you choose to sell your home can obviously make a huge difference, all the difference. You can ask Peggy about that. She just successfully sold her house in Castle Shannon with Gina G and Petro, but things didn't go so well before calling Gina. Peggy had worked with two agents before Gina. Her home was on the market for two and a half years, no buyers, left her paying two mortgages. You never want that. Gina's marketing strategy made a huge difference. The G and Petro team always has buyers at the ready. It only took two days on the market for Gina to do what other agents couldn't do in those two and a half years. Now Peggy's telling everyone looking to buy or sell a home to give Gina a call. You can't win, Peggy, or you can't lose, I should say. Peggy will tell you that. Gina sits down with you. You agree on a price and a deadline. Deadline passes. Home isn't sold. Gina will have it bought and turned into a rental. You can't lose. Call the only agent I would trust if I needed to sell my home in Pittsburgh. Gina G. and Petro of Remax Select Realty. Call Gina, 724-602-9752. Google G. and Petro of Remax Select Realty and look up GinaWillSellYourHome.com. That's GinaWillSellYourHome.com. What's Cooking? Brought to you by your local Geico rep, Tim Hester. Thank you, Mr. Hester. And by Mr. Reuter. Mr. Reuter. Call 412-Reuter2. Thank you, Mr. Reuter. Very kindly. I'm still working the kinks out. No, no. You were very good in this. uh, It also reminds me of Ron. These little remnants of... You know what we should have is a segment every day called Remnants of Ron. Would you like that? I would love it. What's it going to be about? I don't know yet. I don't know. Well, this today, it's about this. What's cooking as a segment? Makes me very sad. What do you think Ron is doing right now? Drinking. Yeah, other than that. I mean, that's that's a given. Reading a book, perhaps? Yeah, sunbathing. Sunbath- oh, man, am I jealous of that. Fan weather is brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks, a mix of clouds and sun today, high of 44. Let's test this out. Back when we were all together, me, Folsey, and Ron. Can you believe that this whole thing is blown up? You're the last man standing. This is incredulent. It all blew up. They all left me. They're all gone. Folsey and Ron. We tested out text in the city complete with the theme song of the show Sex in the City with, uh, what's her name again? Sarah Jessica Parker. Thank you. And the other ones. I think it's a great show. Really well written. Really fun to watch. My wife got into it a long time ago, and now I've seen every episode. Love it. So text in the city. Maybe we can do it at the end of every show. I don't know. Let's see how it goes today. Uh, Kick it off here, Fort. There you go. Okay, so the uh, the first text is from Mac in Butler, and he says maybe Mitch, Presley, and Chooks can join Ron Cook and Fort Myers now that their schedules have opened up. 
<laughs> That's not kind at all. But it is reflective of bad drafting and a bad signing and the inability to find the right quarterback and then doubling down on the wrong quarterback. This is a disaster. Next. All right. This is uh, Lou from Neville Island who says, Yager has more points, a lot more goals, more scoring titles, and was a better than his peers by a wide margin than Crosby. Yager is a superior player, but that's just not the consensus. It is recency bias or just plain old ignorance. That's a hot take, and I like that hot take. I like that hot take. I don't agree because I go all around, and Sid is a better all-around hockey player. But dynamic scorer, Yager won four scoring titles in a row. There's no argument there. I don't even think from Sid. But I love that. Very well written. Read that again. Start the music. Uh, does this just keep going in a loop? Yeah, here, I think so. All right. Yeah. Let me see if I can find that one again. Yeah. That was great stuff. I uh, Sid's a better player overall than Yager and certainly a better leader than Yager was. But, man, dynamic offensive hockey player, it's Yager. Yeah, we'll give it. Uh, we'll give credit to Lou once again from Neville Here's Island. what we should do. We should grade all. Are you going to be here every day? No. That's the thing. I need continuity. I need fluidity. City, city I need limits a teammate. the next couple of days, yeah. We'll rate each one of these. Should we rate it with a letter grade or one out of five? Or I one think... out of ten, like a, like a dunk contest or the All Olympics. right, let's do that. Yeah, you got basketball. One out of ten. Yes. Okay. Uh, this one's a ten for me. Go ahead. Do you want me to read it again? Yeah. Lou from Neville Island. Yager has more points, a lot more goals, more scoring titles, was a better than his peers by a wider margin than Crosby. Yager's superior player, but that's not just a consensus. Is it recency bias or just plain old ignorance? That's great. Again, I don't necessarily agree with the with the sentiment overall, but he made his case, and that's a hot, hot take. That's a 10 out of 10. You? Nine and a half. Thank you for Next. This is uh, Barry who says, so as annoying as everyone made Taylor Swift out to be during the playoffs and Super Bowl, I believe the Kelseys pulled the upset and were worse. <laughs> That's great. This is my favorite segment. Short, funny, to the point, just like the writing in Sex and the City. Um, I give that one a 9.5. And yeah, the Kelseys became astoundingly annoying. Taylor Swift didn't do anything wrong except go to games where her boyfriend was playing and act like a fan. She didn't act like one of these hoity-toity sitting up there that we see. You, you see know, her chugging that beer, by the way? Yeah, she's chugging beer, right? She's, she's, well, she's chugging beer, which is a good thing. But yeah, like you see other celebrities sitting up in those boxes so removed and above everybody. She's just like us, except she got famous singing, I think. She's just there rooting for her team. Good for her. But the Kelseys are are really, really annoying. I give that one a 9-5. You? Eight. I agree with it, though. I, Travis Kelsey, I think he's not a bad person, but, man, he annoys me. He comes across as a big-time frat boy, I think. Yeah, he does. And I think we got a glimpse of maybe more of the real Travis Kelsey when he uh, roid-raged on his coach. I don't know if it was an official roid rage. I have no idea what supplements he may be using, uh, if any. But it looked like a roid, what I would picture a roid rage to be, did it not? Andy Reid is lucky he did not completely topple over. He was not expecting that whatsoever. 
I know. I thought he was going to do that. Sean, this is great. And I'm judging these based on writing quality, maybe some humor, uh, the actual point they're making, all of that. Next. Okay, no one uh, we can attribute this to. Uh, we'll read five a day, okay? Anonymous, yes. So is this the third one? No, then? you can't read an anonymous one. Oh, geez. Okay. You have to have the cojones to put your name on these All right, things. back to the drawing board. Um, and they can't be any swear words, although you can say blank instead of the swear okay. word. Okay, we got Aaron in Mount Lebanon, by the okay. way. Okay, yeah. Uh, we know that no single hum human being can replace the legend Ron Cook. So how about this? Bob on Mondays, we already got that. Paul Steigerwall two days, and drum roll, Guy Junker the last two days. Ooh. Lie to me and tell me that this is possible. Lie to me and tell me that this is possible. I don't know what's possible. People think I'm making the call here. The reason I'm working at 10 o'clock is because I got demoted and worked against my will with Ron Cook. You think I'm calling the shots here at the station? Huh? A blessing in disguise, though. And Ron and I eventually became friends, but it was ugly at the beginning. Uh, I love all the people mentioned there. Guy Junker is great. Um, and there's been talk of maybe a variety show type thing. I, I don't know what's going to happen. They're going to tell me eventually. Well, Steige was good today. So. With segments like this, maybe nothing, Sean. It'll just be the Joe show. Oh, this is incredible. I give that one I give that one an eight and a half. I'm a Guy Junker fan, so I'm, I'm on board. I'll give it eight and a half as well. Two more. If we have them. Uh, did we get a large turnout of texts? We did. Unfortunately, a lot of people. So maybe we should just enlighten them. Include your name and your location, yeah. preferably, yeah, in the yeah. future. Because we got right. a lot of good ones that were anonymous. Well, give me an anonymous one, then. That's fine. If, if they're good, you can give me one. We're just we're just feeling this process out, Sean. Post we're Malone's face looks like a bathroom stall. <laughs> That's kind of cruel. That's... Ingenious, though. Was it stolen or was it original? That's the thing. I, my question about that brings it down to an eight. Uh, there's one that I want to get to. What do you it was... give that one? <sighs> yeah, I, I'll say seven. It's, right. it's a little mean. One more. Okay, so this was sort of a recurring theme. Um, tell Joe Julia Roberts was 13 when the movie An Officer and a Gentleman came out. I know. She wasn't in the, the movie, person. but he keeps saying it. It was Deborah. Winger. I keep saying it was Julia Roberts. Of course, I'm thinking of the other Richard Gere, Julia. Pretty, pretty woman. Pretty yes, woman. Yes. It was Deborah Winger that he carried out at, uh, at, uh, what is going on here? Here we go. Steeler Nation. Steelers insider believes trading TJ Watt for the right QB would be worth it. And it's me. I'm not a Steelers insider. And now I have everybody ripping me, which is good. I actually do believe you know, that that is the right thing. That's a garbage take. They can blank off insider. There's a reason no major media reporters are running with this. L yeah, like I reported it as news. God, these people are jackasses, aren't they? Unbelievable. Give me one more. All right, so Devin from Ligonier, who was listening apparently because he did not Hold include on a second. 50-minute yep. mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Route 19, and Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All good. So Devin from Ligonier chimes in. He says, what if we draft a receiver in the first round and trade for a center? He also thinks that they should go after Bo Nix. What? 
He wants a receiver in the first round, a yeah. trade for a center, uh-huh. and then he's looking at Bo Nix in what I would suspect uh, would be too the complicated. second round. It's too complicated, and I don't like Bo Nix, and it wasn't well written. He gets a one. You? One and a half. Thank you, Sean, for everything today as I get shredded on social media for something I didn't do. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, evening, and subsequent overnight into tomorrow morning. Who's in tomorrow? City Limits? City Limits the next two days. Yes, he will be posting up in here. All right, man. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.